P-P-P. The Steve Dangle Podcast with your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you probably don't know what's going on. Jesse doesn't have the button. Yeah, that so plays the in intro, the studio, so we're just sitting here in silence. <laughs> if you if you wonder if like you can, we can hear like the press conference music and our intro and extra. All that happens live on the show. Like our show is yeah. recorded mostly live to tape. Some some of it's obviously edited, mm-hmm. um, but. Um, I, sometimes I don't have the button on the on this little on the mixer here. I have other uh, buttons, but I don't have our main buttons. So, yeah. For the intro, we sit in silence for where it would have played, and then we insert it after. You should have played played that uh, intro without the music, where it's just us in silence, and then you go, "Okay, that's enough." <laughs> it just doesn't work on audio right where people will be listening and they won't hear anything and then we get a bunch of of messages about what's wrong with today's podcast no i want people freaking out yeah i want that ladies and gentlemen here's how i would have started if we'd had the button now we we went like a, fall, a solid decade without the button so we've just fallen out of practice not having the button mm-hmm. but if i were starting this the way we used to the way that we used to do it which is just Fire it up. Let's press record and go. Mm. I would start it with this. Mm. Who's got the best save percentage in the NHL this morning? Uh, the Leafs, if you take out all the Samson off. No, games. no, the goal. Martin somehow Jones. Martin mother effing Jones. Now, if you look it up on NHL.com, NHL.com rightly filters it out by to 13 games. Mm-hmm. Martin's played 12. So he plays what? one more game and he plays well. 13 will, is so... Well, because I think at a certain point, it's like... Random? A minimum of 15 games. Like once the... You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, because okay. you got... You get, like if you play one game and you get a shutout, yeah. you don't lead the yeah. league in, no, in save percentage. Yeah. So that's what... It's a percentage of games played. Um, but Martin Jones, like we all expected, is 8-3-0 and oh, with a 1-9-8 goals against average and a 9-3-4 save percentage and two shutouts. He had three last year uh, in trip or quadruple the games. I, oh no, I was going to say uh, his, because uh, he almost had one the other night. Mm-hmm. I think it was against the Sharks on Saturday. If he had gotten that shutout, he would have tied Felix Podvin. Um, in total all time, shutouts? All time. Yeah. He would the- have, it would have been 32. Oh. He's already in the top like 75. All time. That's amazing. Good yeah, for him. Man. And you listen, I, I, we all were like, well, I sure hope he doesn't see ice uh, this summer. But Martin Jones is my favorite person. Well, okay. <laughs> Martin so, Jones is, I want to kiss him right on the mouth. I'm, I'm sure. I'd ask him first, though. We're, we're going to, well, yes, of course. Yeah. But um, I'm, well, I'm sure he would also initiate. I but, hope so. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to the Samsonov conversation in a bit. But have you seen Jones's AHL numbers? They're not good. They no. suck. They're not good. He played five games. I know it's not a big sample, but like he did not stop a high percentage of pucks. Right. And here he is in the NHL. The team so clearly loves playing in front of him too. Yeah. And how many he has to make like, I don't know, two good saves a game. That like two saves where if it went in, you'd be like, ah, shame on the D. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nope. 
That's why Ilya Samsonov was so upsetting. We're asking you to do so little, sir. I know. Just know where your net is and make a couple saves every game. It's, it was a frustrating conversation because it's like, well, there was a mistake on this play. There is always a mistake. Yeah. And nobody's going to play a perfect hockey game every hockey game. So oh, you need to fix it. But one thing I'm really upset at the NHL for is they, have, they have taken away Martin Jones's trophy. What's he had trophy? a right this season to win an award. And from from 1999 till 2007, the Roger Crozier Saving Grace Award what? was what? an award the NHL handed out for the goaltender who had the best save percentage that season. For set, that's eight seasons, they handed out a save percentage award, and they should. <laughs> Why did they but get rid of it? Some of the the great winners are Ed Belfour, Ray Marty Coley. Turco. Right. Jose Tador, oh, Marty good. Turco again, Dwayne Rollison. Oh, there's a lockout. And then Cristobal Huey and Nicholas Backstrom. Nicholas Backstrom, Minnesota Wild goalie Nicholas Backstrom. Yes. Wow. Nicholas Backstrom. So No one remembers him. He only, was so good. Only 25 games are required to qualify for this award when it existed. Yeah. Which makes sense. And Martin goaltender. Jones could easily hit that 25-game mark. What if? depending on how this season goes. And he could have been the Roger Crozier Saving Grace Award winner from this season. Dude, I I don't get it. Like, he's had some soft targets, but, like, he also shut out the Kings. Yeah. Like, it's it's I, preposterous. I, uh, there are not enough awards for goalies. Do we bring this back? No, Absolutely, gems. we bring this back. But you know what this award suffers from, Jesse? The reason they got rid of it is not because it's not a relevant award, because it's absolutely a relevant award. Um, the reason they got rid of this award is because of bad branding. You don't and, like MasterCard? Uh, being, the, being the officially billed as the MBNA MasterCard Roger Crozier Saving Grace Award. Okay, so that really rolls <laughs> off the tongue. How do, you, how do you make that into an acronym? You know, the MBNA MCRC SGA Award. Man, it's my favorite award. <laughs> well, they no. gave it two names. Like, is it the Roger Crozier Award or the Saving Grace Award? No. No, it's, it's the Roger Crozier. It's the MasterCard <laughs> MBNA. Yeah, it's the MasterCard. Trip. Which, you know, MBNA, you take it at festivals. It feels good. Um, I think the uh, I think the thing with this is that if they had a Terry Sawchuk award, which they absolutely should, mm -hmm. the guy had 100 and whatever sh shutouts. 100. 103? Uh, uh, yes. Only recently passed, like in the last decade, by Brodeur, mm -hmm. uh, which was a record they actually thought they're like, especially in the 80s, they're like, there's no way anyone's ever going to pass this. Well, no one was even sort of close. No. Which is, it, and then the 90s and the dead puck era and whatever. Like, that is where you, no offense to Roger Crozier, but like, you need to find a goalie who was like a crazy outstanding, like, call it the Patrick Waugh Award, the Jacques Plante Award. Well, the, do we make it the Marty Turco Award because he won this award twice? We, no disrespect to Marty Turco, but we do not. We need, okay. Jesse, I know you're kidding, all, yeah. we need a top five goaltender to name this after. My vote's always been for Terry Sachek because I'm partial to him. I love Terry Sachek. Check. Uh, and and I think he was the best goalie of the 50s and 60s. But you you got to pick somebody whose career is already done. And th the reason they can get rid of that award, like if it was named the Gordy Howe Award, you can't get rid of it because it's, it's Gordy Howe. That's disrespectful to Gordy Howe. Roger Crozier, I'm sure, was great. I can't pull his stats off. The, where, who did Roger what? Crozier play pull, for? Pull it up. Go uh, to hockey. Who did Roger Crozier play for? Go to hockey DB. Here, Maddie, I'm sure he was great. I'm, I By his name? I think he was a football coach. No, he was a... Sounds like a football coach. I'm sure there's a story here. 
Um, but he was a Red Wing for most of the 60s and a Sabre for most of the 70s and ended his career with three games with the 76-77. <laughs> absolutely god-awful Washington Capitals. I'm going to tell you something. He probably didn't deserve this award. Now, look do we at, know? Hold on. Look at we, his save percentage. So, no. Okay, something else happened. <laughs> I, something else I happened. I just keep waiting for one of you to say something awful happened, and I'm afraid. Well, I think that's what... That's, what happened yeah. to this person? Uh, I don't want to talk about his save percentage. Oh, I'm just, Or that I'm, he's from Bracebridge, Ontario. I'm strictly looking at the save percentage of the guy who has the save percentage award named after him. He's the first player to win the Conn Smythe Trophy without having won the Stanley Cup. Oh, okay. Which is great. Uh, he did that in 1966. Uh... Uh, in the Stanley Cup Finals against the Montreal Canadiens when he was playing for um, the Detroit Red Wings. He was the guy that actually replaced um, Terry Sawchuk in Detroit after Terry Sawchuk went to the cool team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, and then I guess he had a uh, he had an injury to his pancreas, which is super serious. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he was the... Subsequently, Crozier became the general, of, general manager of the Capitals. He was the VP... VP of MBNA Credit Card Company, but then he died in 1996, unfortunately, of cancer. But then they, so they, upon his death in they, 2000, they renamed it the Roger they, Crozier Trophy they, in his honor. Or made up this trophy. So, no, with no disrespect to Roger Crozier, go. I think you name a goaltending award, and there needs to be more of them. You need you name them after well, the top five goalies of all time. Here's the most disrespectful thing you can do: take it away. They handed this out seven times in honor of Mr. Crozier and his passing, and then they took it away. And they're like, fuck that, fuck that. <laughs> that no, was a bad honestly, idea. Honestly, bring it back bring and it put back. his name back bring on it. Back. Say I'm bad. on the other I'm completely on the other side. Put his name back He's on back. This. He's back, everyone. Like, don't call it the Marty Brodeur trophy or the Hasek trophy or put Crozier back on this trophy. Yeah. If you did it to honor his life. What the hell's happening? <laughs> I don't know. I am. I am but watching it, Adam dig a hole. Oh uh, no, no, no! And I am watching Listen, this Jesse award was paid it. for by MBNA, where he was a vice president, and then Mastercard clearly bought them. Maddie, Maddie, how's this segment? Is this good? This is great. He was also this is good, intern, good GM <laughs> of, <laughs> of the Caps. The Caps for a short time. All right, guys, what are we doing here? That's There's got to be more than just the vet. Like Vesna, George Vesna was a great goaltender. Now you cannot change the name of the Vesna because he was a great goalie. No, because his name is too fun to say. Vesna? It's too fun. It's Crozier. It's got a Crozier's V. Crozier's a good Z. name. I like Crozier. I like the saving grace part. You like is the, the saving, saving grace saving, part? Yeah, what's the saving grace part? <laughs> why don't you like the credit card part? <laughs> yeah, why I don't you like MBNA MasterCard? Listen, I love the credit card part. I'm all for the credit card part. You can no, love MasterCard. We love MasterCard. Yeah, we love, oh, yeah, MasterCard. We love MasterCard. Yeah, you got to bring it back. The Roger Crozier Saving Grace Award presented by Prime Energy Drink. Monty <laughs> <laughs> Burns Award for Excellence in the Field of Excellence. Yeah, yeah. All I'm saying, absolutely unhinged, you guys. I don't think so. I Another, think we're making relevant points here. I, I don't think, think there's anything to disagree I with. I think after all of that, we've come to the conclusion that a safe percentage award is probably a relevant award that the NHL should have. 
And why is it relevant? And because a leaf is leading the category. Yes, yes, for sure. And also, I think that makes more sense than the William Jennings, which is the goals against award for each team. Oh, it's, it's a far more relevant stat. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. So I feel like if you did this for seven years and then all of a sudden you decide to cancel it and besmeech the name of Mr. Crozier. Besmeech? Besmeech? Besmirch. 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 That's not a word. Besmirch. <laughs> <laughs> besmirch the name of Mr. Crozier. Yeah. You bring it back. We, we've solved it. We've solved all the world's problems. I think today. We, we just That's did what it. podcasts are for. Damn, I want the Stand camera on bikes. me as little as possible. Wow. Solving the world's issues. No, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't endorse this. Sorry, segment. let's return to our typical <laughs> podcast programming. So here's what I got to say about women and alpha males. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's it. That's all I got, actually. If I could start the show over, I would. No, you wouldn't. You yeah, wouldn't. I would. No, I think we did great. Now, I, Martin Jones is leading the league in in Our next in guest percentage. is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, um, actually, funnily enough, uh, he doesn't know that he's following such a great segment, but Jason York is joining us in an hour to talk about the Ottawa Senators situation. Nice. I want to talk quickly about the Leafs, and then we got to get to Cutter Goche and that sort of thing. So, obviously, last night had a couple of great moments. You have Mitchell Marner passing Frank Mahovlich on the all-time points list for the Leafs. I think that puts him seventh. Um, his full name. You have Pontus Holmberg. Uh, Roman Emperor Pontus Holmberg oh my uh, with a one-handed goal Dude. and Mitch Marner saying he's my favorite player in the league. That was which so I loved. good. And his reaction was so good. I got a name for it. The Pontus Poke. Because he did it with one hand and he poked it in. Oh. Could you, could you call it the Pocus and then call it the Hocus Pocus? <laughs> you could. What about the, it's too far away from his name. What, what about, about the Hocus Pontus? What about the Pontifex? That's a little better. Like you know, they they have the short form for the Pope, right? Pontifex. So, so he's the it's a pontifex, like it's like an effect. Yeah, we haven't. No, no. no. Can we do no. better? I think. Yeah, no, yeah. we can do better. Okay, all right. Well, we're not going to spend too much time on it, but you know, obviously, it's the San Jose Sharks. It's weird to say that they went nine seven and two at one point because I think this is their twelfth regulation loss in a row. In a row. So that's rough. And and David Quinn said after the game. Man, like this wears on you. I can't imagine what that well, feels like. To put it into context, this streak that they're on is actually worse than what they began the season with. They began the season 0-10-1, which is only 11 games and also features an overtime loss. Mm -hmm. This is across the board. You just show up, take your loss, and go to the next game. Right. Dude, it's bad. Now, I want to ask you something, guys. I've been seeing this lately. I've mentioned this to you guys off the air, but I haven't fully talked about it yet. Uh, it really came up for me when the dad's trip happened. And it has to do with a player that did something really great last night. He did several different things. This is Mitchell Marner. Mm -hmm. I use his full name because I, I want to address him. Not I don't want to address him personally. Um, the it, toxicity around Mitch Marner online yes. has been unhinged lately. Yes, and oh, it goes back to, I don't know if you've seen this. If you're not a Leaf fan, you probably didn't. When they were on the dad's road trip, uh, Tavares scored his thousandth point and Mitch Marner's dad didn't celebrate the way that other people said that he should. Yes. And they were like Zapruder-ing the film to, oh, see, he doesn't like John Tavares. Listen, listen, listen. I can understand why sometimes Leaf fans get frustrated with Mitch Marner. And this also goes back to 2019 when the Leafs rolled over, accepted his number, and uh, and he got 
he became the one of the highest paid wingers in the league. John Tavares helped make Mitch Marner a very rich man. I yes. don't think anyone in that family dislikes the Tavareses. My my uh, I understand why people didn't like the way that his agent negotiated through the press. Uh, yes. That they were going to sign with Zurich. That, oh, the number better be north of 10. Oh, now it's 11. Oh, my. I'm hearing 13 and a half. You guys remember those reports. I get it. We've all even seen the CBC documentary that features Paul Marner in not the best light. We've no, all seen the clip. It's pretty bad. But we got to. I'm asking and I'm not trying to tut tut here, but like we got to chill here. This player in a in an off year and he is having an off year for yes. him. Yes is on pace for 89 points. Is that $11 million worth of... Do you expect more for $11 million? Yes, I personally expect more of Mitch Marner for $11 million, but he's been better lately. And frankly, I think he's going to turn on the Jets and it'll all be fine. I, I, I understand where it comes from to a point, but this guy does not deserve to be your whipping boy. Um, I love the way Willie plays in Toronto. I love that he signs the extension here. He, when it comes to the media, when it comes to the fans, he loves the city. He loves the fans. But if, they're, if they ever get on him, he doesn't give a shit. I'm Austin fascinated. Matthews. I'm fascinated by how Willie does next year because everyone loves you for cheap. Austin Matthews. Uh, if he gives a shit, you'd never know. No. Tavares, if he gives a shit, you'd never know. No. Mitch Marner plays with his heart on his sleeve. I've been critical of Mitch Marner. In the playoffs, I've been critical Valid. of Mitch Marner in the regular season. Valid. But to come after this guy and say he's a bad person or that he doesn't care is just objectively wrong. Yeah. And I think as fans, we got to take a break here and say things are going really, really well. And you have four guys who are paid this much for a reason. Do you know that the Toronto Maple Leafs four, top four guys have as many goals as the San Jose Sharks have this year? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. They have 81 goals. They are tied with the San Jose Sharks. That's the re. So when one of them has a bit of an off month or an off start to the year, you got the three other guys to pick up the slack. Mm -hmm. You know, you look. Everybody's talking about Matthew Kachuk and 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 how few points he has. He's on pace for like seventy five in Florida. What happened there? It's a big deal when your one guy who scores a bunch doesn't score a bunch. And then he got a hat trick. <laughs> yeah, of course. All I want to say is let's let's take let's pump the brakes on Mitch Marner. This guy, as much as you're frustrated with his deal or his play or wherever it comes from and or his dad or his agent or whatever it is. This guy loves it mm -hmm. here. He loves this team. He grew up wanting to be on this team. He is living the dream that we all wish we could live. And I think he's doing a pretty damn good job. Yeah. Can we knock it off? Well, also he's here. Like what, like, what do you want? Like he plays for your favorite team. He had a four point night for your favorite team. Um, and it's just, it's a nightly thing. And like he has four points against the sharks and no one cares because one of the accusations is, well, he's an easy game merchant, right? Like guys, you need to just, decide. Just, you just have to say you don't like him. Yeah. Like, like, like well, are, and also, are we, is that a valid criticism or is it, I don't like his face is pro sports for you. Is it Mary Kondo? Does it spark joy? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying you can't criticize this player. I've criticized him a lot of times. I've got for on ice play for on ice play. I've gotten heat for it. Some things, you know, some things you don't. Mm -hmm. Maybe one day that's called a tease kids. But uh, like, what, what do you want from the guy? He bleeds blue. He's, he's having a great season for the team. 
I don't have any complaints about this player right now. Jesse I, Blake. I, I'd also, I'd question how much credence you'd give to the little bubble of people on online who are upset at Mitch Marner every time. Like, yeah. is that really the majority of Leafs fans? Because I am under the belief that the majority of Leafs fans go to a game and they watch their favorite players do good things and they cheer and they ha- they're happy and they go home. Here's what and you're wrong. It's a, a, you, you're suggesting that Leaf fans go to games. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. Keep going. That's a good line. That's a, yeah. <laughs> like, no, you, you're probably right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jesse. No, um, what was I saying? Um, I feel like the the people who take a screenshot of Paul Marner on on their on their laptop and then tweet it out and then angrily talk about that for weeks might be it's it's a it might be a concentrated bubble of angry people on Twitter, you know. And and is that really the majority of Leaf fans? Because there's so many Leaf fans, and if it's just this bubble, then like that just might be a faction of the fan base that's always going to be unhappy. Which I think is a thing we're leading to is that hey is pro sports for you because you just you might just be an unhappy individual online and I don't know if that re- represents the majority of Leaf fans I think a lot of people Agreed. are just like Mitch Marner scored fuck yeah, yeah I'm yeah. going home and I gotta go take care of my kid you well, know and that's, that's the end of my all day discussion about Mitch Marner I'm not on the internet all day arguing about his father that's crazy no, so so I'll push back on one thing there I mean he has not played his best hockey this season. So a lot of fans are like, what's up with this guy? But when I meet people in person, as in not in the uh, psychotic, not real internet, uh, they're like, so what's up with Mitch? And that's the question. Mm -hmm. It's not like, so what's up with this piece of shit whose camp drives everyone nuts? (laughs) I mean, they do. And I think think the reasonable what's up with Mitch question is an honest question. I think the majority of people would say that if you just watched the games, you would say, yeah, that guy's a little off this season, blah, blah, blah. But then when it comes down to game one of the playoffs, they're playing the Florida Panthers, you're rooting for this guy. You know, and there's a faction who's just angry and wants to see him fail. But the majority of people who are like, what's wrong with Mitch? Game one, they're like, come on, Mitch, do something. We're excited. And you're yeah. cheering. You know? Yeah. And, and, and I know that's partly just being a fan and being emotional. Also, being online, we know, like sometimes you're dating somebody and you realize like in your 20s, you're like, you don't bring out the best in me and I don't bring out the best in you. We should break up. Hmm. I think that being online, as humanity has understood, well, I what think if a kid fixes it? Most of us, I most think. of us understand that being online doesn't bring out the best in us, right? Right, right. And so, you know, when I see these tweets and they got like a thousand likes, I'm like, man, that's a lot of likes for 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 something that's completely unfounded and 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 seems completely without uh, basis in fact. Mm-hmm. And I'm all for being uh, without basis in fact from time to time. For instance, George Peros is biased towards the Florida Panthers. And boy, did that make people mad. Oh, no, that's based in... That's based in some reality. In uh, no, head. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. But but the point I'm trying to make here is, like, listen, when the Vancouver Canucks went to the Stanley Cup final in 2011, Mason Raymond mm-hmm. had his back snapped in half. And he became the whipping boy for the Vancouver Canucks fans. What, was he the, oh, whipping, he was boy the whipping boy before that? Yeah, and he was a really good player. He came to the Leafs, I remember, afterwards, had a really good year and then signed in Calgary. And, and like and had like a three year deal offered to him. No, this this stems from a rant I had uh, in an LFR. Please take it. Was, it. it was during that season, the 10 uh, 11 season. The Canucks were so stupid good. And now they're first or second in the NHL again. They're stupid good again. They're stupid good again. No, the 2010 11 Canucks were stupid good. And the Leafs were stupid bad. And I. 
remember having lots of thoughts about all these critical comments I saw about Mason Raymond where I was just like, you guys have no idea how good you have it. You guys have no, how dare you complain at all? Mm -hmm. You're Vancouver Canucks fans in the year of our Lord, yeah. 2011. You have no idea how made in the shade you have it right now. Yep. And how right was I? Well, and and so let me let me bring it back to Mitch Marner for a sec, guys. When I look at the top 10 scores in Leafs history outside of, uh, without Marner and Matthews, who are both in it right now, Outside of Matt Sundin, not a single one of them played for the Leafs past 1985. So, well, sorry, Matt Sundin did. Oh. So Matt's was the only one. Right. You got Matt's, you got Daryl Sittler, you got Dave Keon, Boreas Salming, George Armstrong, Wrong Ellis, Frank Mahovlich, Bob Pulford, Ted Kennedy, and if you want to include Rick Vive, you can. Uh, how many people put up a hand? saw those players play either in person or on television because all of them, with the exception of Matt's, were played hockey before I was born. Yeah. You have to understand and put it into context, and I know a lot of people don't remember this, but 10 years ago when we started the show, the Leafs were trash, they oh. were garbage, and they were run by an incompetent management group. Mm -hmm. And as much as we have criticized Dubas and Lou and Shanny and all these things because we want this team to win a cup ultimately, we are in a golden era in the regular season at very least yeah. of Leafs hockey. And we're yeah, grading on a definitely, curve. Definitely, you got to couch it with that. I, un I understand we haven't seen the playoff success yeah. we all want to see. I don't want your takeaway from this conversation to be everything is great, so don't criticize anyone. No, that of is course very not. Obviously it's the, not it's the best regular season run in Leafs history. It's one of the worst playoff runs Agreed. they've had. And, I'll t and I'll, I'll, I believe, but I'll, I just want to say that what you're seeing with Mitchell Marner and what you're seeing with Austin Matthews and William Nylander is special. And and this guy is special. And I I just wanna I don't I don't need to stick up for an NHL player. He's fine. But it just feels like, hey, it's not really even about sticking up for Mitch Marner. It's about, are you guys not enjoying this? Because this is right. really fun. And I think this team looks better than it's ever looked in the entire time I've watched it. And to put it into context, if there's a thousand people on Twitter and a thousand tweets went out consecutively, all saying Mitch Marner's trash, the last least playoffs game where they lost to the Panthers did four million people just in Canada on television. One thousand out of four million just in Canada is a small, You're tiny right. percentage of people who are angry on the Internet. Bingo. Bingo. Absolutely right. Thought it was thought it was worth addressing. I th but I think you're right, Jesse. I think rationally that is the correct answer. This kind of conversation might seem odd with the Leafs having won four straight, <laughs> but I think this is the easiest time to have them because when the Leafs are losing if they'd lost and, four and Marner struggling, yeah, no one wants to hear the shit. Yeah. No one wants. But now that we're all in a happier, perhaps more rational mood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Can well, we, can I'll be we honest. look at this a little differently? I, I live and die by the Leafs, too. If the Leafs lose, I'm in a, in a worse mood the next morning than I would have been. Yeah. It, it actually affects me. That's what being a fan is. I fully admit to that. I fully cop to that. I'm fine with that. Um, I just think, man, we're watching history happen here. Enjoy it. Yeah, I'm not asking it. fans to be less ravenous. Be more no, ravenous. Be as ravenous as you want. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, but uh, instead of instead of fuck our guys, though, fuck the other guys. You know well, what I mean? <laughs> fuck those guys. There's that. They're not us. I guess there's maybe no one to pick on on the Sharks right now. Yeah, it's true. Um, but uh, you pick your battles. Yeah. If you're pick making a list of the top 25 Leafs of all time, 
Do five players on this current team make that list? Yes. Top 25? Top 25. They might even be in all of them in the top 15. Maybe even the top 10. We're talking Morgan, Mitch, Johnny, Austin, Willie. Do all those guys all make of the top 20? Definite, definitely by the end of their Leafs tenure. Definitely. And I would say arguably now. Yeah. All of them right now. Austin, yeah. all of them right Austin now. Yeah. unquestionably. Uh, like how many 40 goal scorers have the Leafs ever had even? So Johnny probably gets in there and Willie because he scored 40. <laughs> Mitch. Mm -hmm. And what Morgan Riley's done throughout his like, yeah. extended tenure as a Leaf is the top 25 all time. That, Absolutely. Like, that guy's the new vintage. He's getting yeah. better with age. And you, like, if you put that into, like, just to back your entire point, Adam, when you put that into the contest that you get five of the top 25 Leafs of all time, six. you get to watch the, who's six? Martin Jones. Martin Jones. <laughs> Number, the future Roger Crozier Saving Grace Award winner. You're brought to you by MasterCard by MDMA. BNA MasterCard. Um, him too. So six yep. of the top time, all time greats of your favorite team. Yeah, you should probably stop and appreciate that a little. I'll give you guys a fun stat. All of the people you just mentioned in the top five. Top six. Top six. Sorry. Top Martin six. Jones, yeah. With the exception of Martin Jones. So top no. five of the six. You must be included. All of them are in the top 25 in Leaf scoring ever already, except for John Tavares, who is six points away from John Anderson and will move to 25th behind Phil Kessel sometime in the next. Where's Morgan? Morgan Riley is between Wendell Clark and Doug Gilmore. 446 Ray. points. Doug Gilmore had 452 as a Leaf. Wendell had 441. Morgan Riley has 446. As a defense. Wow. I know 19th. he's played way more. Yeah. As a defense. Well, Boria, Boria had, Boria's fourth all time. Mm. Holy shit. Boria where's, had six, 768. Boria where's Morgan among ridiculous. D? Does he uh, already have more than Coberly? Can I schedule by D? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, he would be... I think Morgan might be second or third. Okay, he's behind Boria, Coberly, and Tim Horton. And then Morgan, <laughs> Morgan Riley. Yes. And he's going to pass Fuck Tim yeah. Horton very likely this year. He's only 12 cool. points behind Tim Horton. That's pretty crazy. Morgan, That's nuts. <laughs> I'd buy your donuts. That's all I'm saying, man. Like, like we are we are seeing something special. And I... I I've been on the record saying this. The more physical these this Leafs teams play, the better they look. And I and I think you've seen it against... Uh, I mean, the Sharks are a little bit unfair, but the Leafs in previous years played down to teams like the Sharks. Yes. They got beat by... And, and frankly, they've done it. They did it early on this year. Look at the Blackhawks games. Terrible. The Blackhawks, the Sabres, uh, the Blue Jackets, and to a degree, the Sens. This team... This team... Um, uh, we'll talk about the Sens later on. This team is, to me, different than than what we ever saw under Lou or what we ever saw under Du, Dubas. And <laughs> oh. I think that we got it, Lou and Du, baby. Uh, I think we got to dislike. We got to enjoy this a little bit, and and I think they're just coming on. You know, you look at so for, first off, it was great to see Nick Robertson get some goals last night because he only got in because of the flu. Where's he on the list? Uh, he's not very high yet. No, he scored um, a goal with pure anger. Sure. I liked it. I liked it too. Um, I, I'm seeing guys step up like Bertuzzi. How long do we really think it's going to be that Bertuzzi's advanced stats are as good as they are and the results still aren't there? And by the way, he did have a great game on Saturday. Oh, I'm not taking that away. He's had great games, but the points haven't been there. That line on like from a personality standpoint is one of the most unintentionally funny lines in the NHL. I love it. It's so three guys who barely speak. <laughs> Who just play puck? Like who just go out there, do not speak, 
have the strangest style. William Nylander's Twitter bio. Give me the puck. The, give me the puck. He dresses overly flamboyantly. Tavares dresses like a dad. And Tyler Bertuzzi wears the five or six closest pieces of clothing nearest to him when he wakes up in the morning. And they just dominate. Yeah. They're the funniest line. Oh, yeah. Now, um, Sam Samsonov is back. Uh, it looks like he's going to back up Martin Jones tomorrow night when the Leafs play the Islanders. And then he could start on the road in Detroit. If he is going to get a start, you want it to be on the road, not in front of the home crowd. Yeah. Detroit's not a very pleasant place to play right now. It's a good team. Mm -hmm. They've had some struggles, but I still think that's a it's a far more solid team than I thought they were. That's for sure. But um, a lot of people are freaked out about this. Rightfully so. I have my questions because I don't know how the Leafs management thinks that giving the guy 10 days to get it together is enough time when he's going through whatever it is he's going through. And I'm not one of those people that believes that you should start him in the AHL because as we saw with Jack Campbell, when he got torched in his first couple of games there, yeah. uh, we saw it with Freddie Anderson too. He had a hip injury, but we saw that with the Leafs too. The AHL is not an easy league. No, it's, it's really actually very hard. Yeah. All of those guys are most of those guys are replacement level players at the NHL level. So they're good. The The shooting is not terribly far behind the NHL and the defense is not nearly as good. Exactly. So, so I understand it's maybe not the greatest place to get your confidence back. I understand not starting him there. And I understand you want to get Hill to be back into the games with the Marlies. The Marlies are terrible, too, by the way. Uh, OK, so, yeah, you see, that also doesn't look good. They're not very good. Um, I just. I'm concerned because we've seen, and, and Jesse, I think you said this earlier in the show, you've seen how they play in front of Marty and you see how they play in front of Ilya. And what's not going to help Ilya is a team that's not confident in front of him. Mm -hmm. Yes, but we've already seen this not work. Like we've already seen it not work in the American League and they have obviously made the decision um, to protect Hildeby. They played Jones four straight games, three of them against just awful opponents. Mm -hmm. Two games against the Sharks. There it is on a silver platter for you. This, th this is perhaps mean to say about the San Jose Sharks, but if you play Dennis Hildeby against the Sharks back-to-back -back, and he gets shutouts in both of those games, I think you learn nothing about Dennis Hildeby. They're that bad, right? And then there's the Ducks as well. They opted to not play this player. They obviously want to protect this player and have him playing as many games as possible with the Marlies. With Sammy, there's a lot of things that, because it's mental, there's a lot of things that we don't know. And I'm not being cryptic. Like, we do not know what's going on. They're obviously confident in his ability to at least back up. And you know what helps? They're now confident in Martin Jones. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me when they signed him to this deal, they thought Martin Jones would be able to do this. No, or expect him to do no, this. There's nobody thought this at all. Can Samsonov be the backup goalie? The absolute backup goalie? Like, because that's not what they were doing. Like, Jones was kind of the starter, but he wasn't getting like uh, like three quarters of the starts or something like that. If Sammy transitions to full-time backup, does that maybe take a little bit of weight off his shoulders? 
Well, full-time backup until Wolves back. And then he'll still be full-time backup. Well, I don't know. Well, no, it's probably I, I perhaps think, not. It's I don't Bull think Jones. Like that's what you got to roll with. That's I think, a fact. I, I think Adam off. has a point with it's kind of quick. I don't understand if you're running. Oh, it's Samsonov. If you're rolling with, <laughs> with Martin Jones, why wouldn't you just push it a little bit more? Like even if you think if mentally they think he's ready, why not just keep going with Jones if you're going to keep playing? Him? He's not even played enough games to qualify for the save percentage lead in the league. <laughs> like, it's not like we're running Marty Jones out here. No. Um, he played, he didn't have to play back-to-back in California. He did. He didn't have to play last night in San, against San Jose. They're, they, they're losers. At that point, going into that game, they were losers of 11 straight. Do you need to protect a 22-year-old goalie that much that you couldn't put him in? Give Jones a break. Get through the next week. Give this guy some time. And I know that it's pro sports. I just, I think, and I watch. Also, we'll say all this, and then Sammy stands on his head, and everything's good. And and what are we even talking about? Awesome. We might. That's what we're rooting for. Exactly. I'm just asking: Are we giving this guy enough time? You know why? Like people don't understand goalies. Remember the crazy split stats last year between Samsonov and and uh, Matt Murray. Matt Murray was fantastic on the road. <laughs> Samsonov was fantastic. At home, he his first home loss wasn't it in like December or something. I like that? you know I can't remember that, dude. But. Like he was stellar, and now it feels like okay, you cannot play him at home. Mm-hmm. Like you know, uh, fans that give you the Bronx cheer, it's perhaps not the best place to get your confidence back. Um, I don't have a problem with listen. I one thing as fans here, I think we need to concede that the Leafs might know more than we do here. Mm-hmm. They've had a week or so to evaluate Ilya Samsonov mm-hmm. and think about, you know, playing him in the American League. They've also had a week to evaluate Dennis Hildeby. And I do think that is part of it. They wanted to get him acclimated to the NHL and face NHL shots at practice. They obviously put a lot of stock into practice. Because Samsonov, they said this whole time has practiced well. Was Hilda be practicing well? Was he practicing poorly? Did he get the flu bug that supposedly the team is still being affected by? What what's going on here? Which, by the way, we had that. Or the two of us had that over the Sucks. holiday. Yeah, man! Wow, so, same, you should ask them the same strain. That's well, the least doctors. My first thought, so I went to the walk-in yesterday, yeah. and he's like, yeah, it's going around, it starts as gastro, and then it moves up to your head, and I'm like, that sounds identical to what the Leafs had. <laughs> Dude, they were they missed some games, uh, they felt fine, and now guys are missing games again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. You and you and Austin, same guys. I mean, we are the same. Yeah. We are uh, uh, test results, our combine results. I don't know if you saw me in Sweden. Same. How's your box (laughs) jump? It's pretty good. It's pretty. Hey, well, I think you saw in Sweden. My problem was not uh, jumping far. I jumped through the damn wall at the youth uh, draft combine. It was about sticking the landing and not running into the promo sign. That's right. Now we know that um, if you hurt yourself in Sweden, people say, oi. (laughs) (laughs) I did not. And then they want some form chocolate too. There's Steve. Yeah, he gave me some form chocolate to make me feel better. Uh, did we ever talk about how you asked William Legison about 
um, what was the food that Steve said? Oh, the they, onion beer or the garlic beer. The garlic beer. And he beer. never heard of it. And then he's like, no, that's not something. He's like, no, I, that's not something. <laughs> we asked the like, Swedish you've, person. I felt so embarrassed. Yeah. I was like, everybody was tweeting about the garlic beer. Wait, William Lagos. No, you never it, heard of it? It is absolutely a real thing. David Alter hunted it down he's like from, it was the Declaration of he's Independence. From Sweden. He's born there. I know people who drank it. Yeah, but it's not it's not a cultural thing. Maybe I didn't it's, say it was a cultural maybe, thing. Maybe it's a thing that like Swedes are like, look at we're gonna make these tourists do idiots. And then they like maybe it's like an inside Swedish joke that all of them are inside <laughs> on and none of us are. If you if you're listening right now or watching this podcast, go back and watch the William Lagason episode on Agent Provocator just for that moment of Adam asking him, Hey, so this garlic beer is like really big in Sweden, and him just being like what the hell is this man talking I about? I never said this, it was. I said garlic was big and sweet. No, it wasn't just you. It was other people in yeah, the media. It was but you, all the NHL there was media a chorus. people. There was a chorus of people. They're like, yeah, we went to Sweden. We tried this garlic beer. And all these NHL media people are tweeting about it. And Adam asks. And he's like, no, no. dude, that's not a thing. <laughs> dude, I love that. By the way, I also asked him about, because he has never scored a goal in the NHL. I asked him about what that might, what that's going to feel like. You could see him like, oh, like it was, he was almost upset with me for asking, yeah. but like I, two like times, games. two times that interview, he got really upset at Yeah. <laughs> Idiot. How many questions? Bad interview. In? What's that? How many questions did you get in? Oh, I got, I got lots in. I got lots yeah. in. I think, listen, Lagosin rules, man. He's an, he's a cool guy. Um, another guy just had a kid, right? And, oh, and yeah. playing, playing like crazy good. So I, I know Simon Benoit is getting a lot of the oxygen and he should. Got but, his first point. But Lagosin, Lagosin was great every time he was in. Um, I want to I want to move on to Cutter Goche because we got to get to it before Jason York comes on. Mm -hmm. Cutter Goche, uh, Monday night, we see this trade. It's Cutter Goche, who's a first round pick of the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, he's a top 10 pick. He's really? a big part of what the Flyers want to be in, in when they grow up in three years, uh, you know, as they as they kind of mature as a franchise and in this retool. Um, and. Uh, he is traded for a second round pick in Jamie Drysdale. Jamie Drysdale has some upside. A second round pick is a good lottery pick, but you're like, wait a second. Or, sorry, lottery ticket, not a lottery pick. This guy was a really high pick for the Philadelphia Flyers. What happened? Without context, the trade makes no sense. So then we get a tweet from, from Frege and he goes, hey, uh, um, it, my understanding is, and, and and again, he said on the NHL network that he's like, this didn't really pop up on my radar until like Monday. So it was like really quick. Um, he said that, that basically, uh, Goche's people, uh, refused to meet with the flyers at the world championships in Gothenburg, um, where William Lagason is from, by the way. Uh, yeah. and, uh, he said, and then they made the trade. And, and so at that point, if that's all we know, it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense either. What do you mean they refuse to meet? And then we come to find out and all the Philly accounts still start to fire up because, you know, well, if, we, if there's anything we know about Philadelphia is they're super chill. Um, they <laughs> said, well, for it. he also wasn't at development camp. There was a clip, I think Grav tweeted about uh, it. You know, Cutter was on a podcast and he talked about how great it was to meet John Tortorella. Everything seemed kumbaya. What happened? So... Uh, then it's followed by Keith Jones talking to the media. It's called followed by Danny Briere talking to the media. And it's followed by John Tortorella talking to the media. And all of them said something along the lines of, if you don't want to be a flyer, and he told us he didn't want to be a flyer, you don't, you're not going to be a flyer. And former, a lot of former flyers in the media as well 
who are saying all those same things as well. Uh, I want to say Chris Terrian was one of them. Scott Hartnell was another one. Was one of them. Dude. By the way, I liked Biz making fun of Hartnell's haircut. <laughs> oh, He's like, terrible. that's why Gutter Goche wanted out. It's terrible. He's right. He's right. He's absolutely right. Uh, no, dude, uh, the Flyers coordinated PR campaign against Cutter oh, Goche. I've seen less coordination for people running for president. <laughs> like, Full court press. They made the trade, and within minutes, coach, GM, yeah, whatever. Keith I don't Jones know if job is. hole in the wall. Yeah, dude, like that. So, so here's what here's what happened. What happened was the Philadelphia Flyers made a trade where they objectively, at least from this point of view, right now, got worse. The organizational value of the Philadelphia Flyers went down. They did not win this trade. They got better in no, the No, they didn't win this trade. Term. No, they didn't win this trade. Well, they got a guy who was on their team now okay, versus but a guy who wasn't. This is okay, fair enough. But they didn't win this trade. I don't think they just I agree with no, you. No, by everybody, everybody that you read that's like, okay, objectively from a hockey perspective, this isn't great. No. Yeah, no, I'm talking about like projecting Gauthier. Gauthier is projected to be the better prospect than Drysdale will be a defenseman. Bingo. But and, that, we, and, that, and that's why I'm saying from today. Sure. From today. Sure, sure, yeah. So what the Flyers had to do was they had to go out and they had to sell this trade because this trade is objectively a step back. It might be a minor step back. It might turn out to be nothing. There's plenty of first round picks that turn into nothing in the NHL. Mm -hmm. He might be playing in Europe in five years. I don't know. But he's just won the gold at, at the World Junior Championships. Values at an all-time high. I think Keith Jones said that. They kept this on the down low. And in fact, they also go out and they say, well, we protected him because we didn't want him to be seen as a problem for not wanting to play for the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, you protected him uh, like a... So they, they like kept... He's like a lamb for slaughter. They protected him for months and months and months. Trade. And now he has no more value to us because yeah. we've traded him execute the kid. There's, right. That's there's exactly more, what they've done. There's more backstory that's been kind of revealed if you want to go into that too. Yeah. Because we kind of know the timeline of, of how this kind of unfolded. Well, they suspect it unfolded based on the reporting. Because there was, it wasn't just the world championships. It was, didn't John, John LeClaire, my line mate, and someone else from the Flyers, uh, didn't they go to his game at Boston College? Mm-hmm. So and, it, and he's like, dude, I don't want to talk to you. It's, it's so initially when he's drafted, he's like, yeah, gung ho about the Philadelphia Flyers and all that podcast stuff comes out. And then in March of last year, there's reported to be a meeting with Gauthier's representative and the Flyers. And they say because his season ended in Boston College, I think they lost in the quarters or the semis. I forget. doesn't matter. And they and he goes to them. He's like, I want to come to the NHL for the rest of the season. There's 19 games left. Like Matthew and, nice. and they say we can't do that. We're going to be in cap overage if you come to the NHL and we got to pay you all these bonuses and we don't want to pay the cap overage into next year to bring you there. And it's suspected that uh, Gauthier's camp took that as the Flyers weren't that high on him now. Well, and this this also predates Daniel Breer becoming general manager because in May of la of this past year, they meet with Gauthier again to see where he's at. And that's the meeting on the Zoom call where he tells them that he doesn't want to be a Philadelphia Flyer anymore. To put it in the leaf terms, remember uh, the Mitch Marner negotiations where he's like, ah, oh, I was put on the fourth line and I didn't get my bonuses or whatever. And yeah, okay, but Lou was the GM when that happened. Dubas is the GM now. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> um, 
Yeah. Yeah. End of point. <laughs> oh, I just had to cough. Okay. I thought, yeah, I thought you were going to continue. But so, so yeah, so they, the, he, he takes this, I'm not, they're not going to bring me to the NHL as a slight. And the Philadelphia Flyers and the regime at the time and Daniel Breer, when he then took over and then his new cohort, they said, hey, there's going to be a spot for you at training camp. And if you make the NHL team, you don't have to go back to college and everything. You can come, you'll play for the Flyers and all that stuff. And at that moment, back in May, he had already made up his mind that he was done with the Flyers. And credit to the Flyers for keeping this a secret. I'm for, shocked. From the, the May Zoom call to now, and none of these insiders weren't on it until Monday when the trade leaks. That's and there were like 20 interested teams. Yeah, and they made a bunch of calls. And we hear about the Montreal thing at the draft. So they've been clearly calling yeah, all these teams. Is, was it Montreal was supposed to... What were they supposed Reinbacher. to do? Reinbacher. Reinbacher. Yeah. They were going to they're going to do that swap and then move down and then Mitchkoff would have still been available and all this. Man, Habs fans are just not feeling that yeah. bad about they that. Yeah. They caught a straight. They, they yeah. caught a straight. I don't know like if I assume the rumors are true to the, those stories, but we don't we don't they're we don't not know. substantiated, but it's it's just so weird to me that for for Cutter Gauthier, he can't see past hey, at this moment we don't really have room for you. And he takes that as such a slight that no. he doesn't want That's your, why I don't think that's I, the whole story. I don't There's think more. No, that's, the that, story is exactly easy to, on, to me. Okay. Um, like it, he wants to do what a lot of color, college players do, which is burn a year of his entry level contract. This it's not a deal that I think bruises his ego necessarily. It's a, it's a, uh, um, uh, an issue that costs him millions of dollars, mm -hmm. literally millions of dollars because you miss out on rookie bonuses and you miss out on, uh, 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 getting to your second contract sooner mm -hmm. because you assume you're going to, you know, you're cutter go There's you, 19. You assume you're going to tear it up. There's 19 games left in the season when they had this March meeting and he, the Boston college season ended and he needed to play 11 games to kick in, uh, to pass that year for the entry level deal. Of course Ten. he wants to do that. Ten. Or no, I think it's game one. No, no, there's a minimum. You got to pay at least 10. No, cause nine's burned a year. He played, uh, play. No, there's a minimum. Like you need to play the 10. Yes, games. you do. Yes, you do. You have you to, do? it's not yeah. one game. Like oh, it's not. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you need to play the 10 games and there's plenty of games to do that. You know, there's nine extra that you could have sat out and he didn't get to do that. And I think, I assume that cost him a lot of money. And well, and yeah, you're not happy. Yeah. You're, you're to free agency in you know, a, year in earlier, a year earlier, like yeah. all that stuff. There's but a like, lot in play there. And, and he's all, he's also probably thinking like, you know, this team sucks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they're good. They're good now because mm -hmm. Tortorella is doing his blood from the stone thing that he always does. Uh, but I mean, uh, going into the uh, the other thing was, though, I found weird is is development camp, him not going. And maybe this guy never talks about it. And maybe it is a Chuck Fletcher era problem that has leaked over. But at the end of the day. This still cost the Philadelphia Flyers. They did a great job selling it. They did a great job. Um, uh, riling up the fan base. Everybody's like, oh, I give the Flyers full credit. And you should. They were able to keep it quiet. That's great. But like, frankly, the reason that they came out, the reason you heard from the president, the general manager, and the head coach within hours is because they had to sell this. But what can you do when somebody exercises their contractual right? Because what they did. Cutter Kojie, he, he did what he's allowed to here's, do. Here's, 
and he can become a free agent if you want cut to a better deal and all that stuff. So cut a better deal. I give credit to them for making the Drysdale deal and getting something that looks decent. Like Jamie Drysdale is not. Oh, he's a good player. Laugh at good player. Yeah. That second round pick. He hasn't been awesome, but again, he's I been injured. Would, I am begging everyone to. First of all, he's been injured, which I he think is maybe season. the most valid. He missed an entire <laughs> season, and I am begging everyone to stop. Please disregard all numbers pertaining to the Anaheim Ducks until further notice. Yeah, it's true. They don't count. It's true. <laughs> they do not count. Poor Zegers has got injured last night. Yes, well, he did. They can't trade him now. Yeah. Well, it's, after yep. missing earliest season. And the, right. He's available. Oh, yeah, well, mm-hmm. you know, it like, yeah, no, no one's defensive numbers look good on the Ducks. Right. Stop. That's enough. That's a, Didn't we just get this lesson? Like, no offense to Simone Benoit, I think Jamie Drysdale has a higher ceiling. <laughs> I think he has a slightly higher ceiling. Right. I think he's going to be fine, especially if you give him to John Tortorella. Come on. You give him to John Tortorella, I think he's going to be just fine. I don't know. I, I, I look at this. I like Jamie Drysdale, by the way. I like the deal for the Flyers. I think it helps them now, too, which rewards the players for a good season. But the reality is that based on their plan, Cutter Goche, if the plan was going A plus, everything's good, mm-hmm. Cutter Goche is still in the Flyers organization, right? Yeah. And and Keith Jones, Daniel Briere, John Tortorella did their jobs. They sold it to the fan base. And I get it, man. If if somebody said they didn't want to play for the least, I'd be like, then fine, fuck off. Like, you don't have the guts to play here. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, It's tougher to play in Toronto than it is... Name a market. Goche whatever. should get booed for the rest of his career in Philadelphia. Sure. That, that going should to. happen. He's going to. Yeah. And that um, should happen because he didn't want to play for that team. That fan base should. But, and and I, I don't fault fans for being fans. But I also want to say that. And I think it's important Flyers fans recognize that this is the, the trade you've been sold. Wouldn't if it was a good if it was a really equal trade, it wouldn't have had to be sold. Uh, I am. Well, Adam, great friggin points. That is a that's a 10 out of 10. Um, I am torn between uh, he is a legal adult. Mm-hmm. He is an NHL draft pick. He is a fifth overall NHL draft pick. And there was also a full court press media destruction of a university student. <laughs> and uh, is it. Is there something to he's an adult and he's responsible for his own decisions, but also I'm slightly uncomfortable with what they did to this kid? When you fly to Sweden to talk to an individual and he won't talk to you and hasn't talked to you for 10 months, yeah, I think you're allowed to be a little upset. Okay, here's a question. And when you get back you, Jamie Drysdale in a second for somebody who doesn't want to stand next to you or have a conversation with you, I think it's a tidy piece of work. By yes. Now, I know John LeClaire a little bit. Uh, I think if you don't want a conversation with him, you're stupid. <laughs> However, like, okay. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, yeah, that's crazy. If If I were getting ready to go on a plane trip to Sweden for the express purpose of speaking to someone, I would... Stop me if this idea is crazy. Confirm if that person is going to speak to me or not. Nah. If you're talking about like the money and the time, who gives a shit? It's your billion dollar organization. You can afford a plane trip. Yeah, but you go take a shot. You can't get your time back. So you're just going to willy nilly hop on an eight hour plane ride to Scandinavia to speak to someone with 
No warning. The, no. Cutter Gauthier is like tens of millions of dollars to the Flyers organization. Absolutely. If he becomes a number one center in the NHL. Yes, you're taking one plane trip on a private jet yes. to Sweden. Yeah, I'm going to spend no. a day doing that to try and have a conversation with my $10 million investment. All right, Jesse. What are you talking I'm, about? I'm showing up to your house. That's all the inform information yeah. you get. If, if, I'm showing if up. If you drafted me and was like, hey, you're going to be the future of my franchise, and then I ignored you for eight months, of course I'm going to show up to your house or you're going to show up to my what? house. What? You still on my people door. are still people. You have to schedule, like, be like, hey, I want to talk to you. I'm sure, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they called up the agent and was like, hey, we're coming. We're going to try and have a conversation with him. And then when they got there, it fell through. Is it more stuff. realistic that they were simply at the World Juniors and while they were there, they were like, let's speak to Cutter? Sure. Both can be true. Because, well, yeah, but they're making it sound like we flew to Sweden and he didn't even talk to us. I'm sure. Just they, for him. I'm sure they didn't get off the plane, say, hey, can we, we meet with you? And then he said no. And they turned around, and went home. <laughs> I'm sure they did other things. Yes. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, oh, like, it, so it wasn't, oh, we flew there for the express purpose. No, it was not the express purpose. It was a purpose. part of the plan and he wouldn't talk to them. It yeah. is surprising. However, like uh, Leclerc, I don't think Leclerc likes to fly. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. We we talked about this. He <laughs> drives from I think somewhere in Pennsylvania, uh, Philadelphia ish, to Toronto every year for the Eric Lindros Celebrity Hockey Classic, because I don't think he likes flying and he hates Pearson International Airport. I don't blame him there. And Everybody he should. He is correct. John. Every Claire time that airport wins awards, I'm like, how much did you pay for that? It's stop. Just stop. They they pay for self voted on award. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> so, we created this award and we award it to me. So I'm just sponsored by Mastercard. I'm just picturing John Leclerc driving from Philly to Boston to meet with this person, and then uh, oh yeah, no, I'm just not going to meet John Leclerc. Now, I do have one thing I want to say. Uh, well, I, I I I am trying to play devil's advocate with Cutter Gauthier because. I can't wrap my head around someone being this rude. And also he hasn't said anything. The other thing, not to insult the Anaheim Ducks organization, but it has not been a marquee franchise for quite some time <laughs> in the NHL. Mm -hmm. And this kid, instead of going from Boston College to the Flyers, mm -hmm. is about to go from one of the cushiest universities, especially for hockey, in the world to the Ducks. He is joining some pretty good young players, though. He is, and a future that involves Zegris and Mason McTavish and Cutter Gauthier. Doesn't involve Trevor Zegris, according to Frank wow. Cervalli. Okay, fine. Leo Carlson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Cervalli was saying that Zegris' name is out there. It's for, out there. On, for the, like, for trades. Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. Why? I <laughs> I don't think that makes sense. I mean, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Uh, I don't, you is this I don't like the Brody's going to be traded thing? I don't think it is like that. I okay. think this is, uh, I get the sense that, uh, remember that, didn't they have like a crazy negotiation? And yeah, it's him and, uh, and say, Drysdale. Yeah. Yeah. This, this uh, uh, and I, and I, I think that the Ducks didn't want to pay Zegris what they ended up paying him. They don't think he's worth that. And they would like to, I think that they think that maybe he's, this is what he is. And why'd you sign him? What, what did you <laughs> have to win games this year? Uh, they Stop. didn't. Yeah. And, and, and there was that rumor, I think out of Chicklets, the uh, rear admiral was talking about how he was worried about 
tor- playing under torts and that there was a rookie GM. I'm like, well, I don't. Verbeek is a rookie GM. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I think what it, here's what it is. Coaches get fired so often. Where Goche went wrong, at least from what we know, is that he refused to meet with them. You yes. got to listen. If you don't want to play for a team, that is completely your right. Like, just because they drafted you doesn't mean you have to play there. That's, that's one thing Freege pointed out. Like, he's not the first college player to just be like, I'm not signing with you, but also giving the team a heads up, um, explaining why. Supposedly, he just hasn't explained why. Mm-hmm. Blake Wheeler did this. Pierre-Luc Dubois didn't explain to the Columbus Blue Jackets why he did, all of a sudden didn't want to sign there. Not really. Uh, Zach Hyman didn't sign with the Florida Panthers, who drafted him. No one remembers that. Um Adam Fox was on two different teams. Two times, yeah. Before uh, ending up in New York. He was drafted by Calgary, got traded to Carolina. Man, can you imagine Adam Fox on this Hurricanes team? Was he the, oh, man. the he likes to go to the library guy? <laughs> that was Dougie Hamilton. Oh, Dougie Hamilton. Ah, <laughs> imagine reading. Um, <laughs> Stupid. I, I, just think, I just think, listen, uh, the, the thing that makes Goche look bad here is not meeting with the team and probably not going to development camp as well. I get Flyers fans being pissed off. I'd be pissed off too. Fans are fans are going to fan. I just think if the Flyers were being honest today, if they had their way and things were perfect, Goche is a member of the organization and Drysdale is still in Anaheim and so is that second round pick. That's that's just the end of it. And I think that as much as, yes, Cutter Goche is an adult. He's 18 years old. Mm. He's a man. He's making his own decisions. Uh, he's they, gonna be twenty in a week. Oh, he's gonna be twenty in a week. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sure, they sure did bring out the knives, and oh. I, I understand it from their perspective, but I also think I'd like to know a little bit more. There's just, there just doesn't seem like we're, a finished we're missing product. a little. It has to be, yeah. And I don't know if he'll ever talk about. It. Well, I, well, I think that's a mistake. First of all, yeah, I think he should because he looks stupid. But he, so did Pierre Luc Dubois, right? and he's got a gigantic contract in L.A. and he's playing on the fourth line. On the fourth line, yeah. I don't know if Pierre, I, we, we do have to ask the question. We don't have time probably to talk PLD, but like, does this guy like hockey or? Uh, uh, look, when does the trade request come down? That like what, like when is it it's the team's fault again? He's stop. on the fourth line. There, stop. I don't. I think it's a little premature. I mean, listen, <laughs> the Kings are really good. Kings uh, are great. Whether you're on the first or the fourth line, the cup ring is the same size. Yeah. But... He's, it's tough for him right now. You'll be there for a while. Um, yeah. So I, I think I think there's more to this story to be told. And mm-hmm. and uh, one person I feel actually kind of really bad for is Jamie Drysdale. Yes. Who yes. they he in, came out and said he had no idea this was coming. Uh, there was just no idea that he could be traded at this moment. And just all of a sudden you get this phone call and you're a Philadelphia Flyers. A little that sucks for him. You know, just on the human level of NHL players being moved and everything, you expect it around the trade deadline. You expect it if you got like a big contract and there are rumors and all this stuff. But to be a young prospect who seems to be in an organization for the next decade because you're there and you signed a contract to just all of a sudden get moved, eh, sucks for him and his family yeah. and his his life. Well, and John Tortorella was asked like a pretty relevant question like, hey, you have eight defensemen right now. <laughs> Like, what are the Flyers going to do? What's the, what are the plans there? And I imagine, like, imagine being one of the, uh, the D who is not having the greatest time sticking in the lineup this season on the Flyers. You got to be going, okay, you know, this kid was a top 20 pick or whatever he was. Uh, uh trade him. Top 10. 
Top ten. Jamie Drysdale went six or seven. He I was, he, say. was he was high. Yeah. And uh, oh, okay. They just traded him for Cutter Gauthier. They probably have higher expectations for him than me. I probably make more than him. Mm-hmm. Six and twenty. Probably gone. Yeah. I also think it's great for the Flyers. Um, the in, in even though ideally you still want your your that player in the organization. Jamie Drysdale adds uh, a lot to their organization right now, and that team deserved some help for the 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 effort and the surprise and 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 how good they've been. Nobody who had the Flyers anywhere but the basement. Not me. Right. Not me. So that's a really good story. A lot of really good story. I mean, Sean Couturier has got to be somewhere in the Masterton conversation. Oh, yeah. I thought he was done. Didn't play for two years. I thought he was done, and he's great. Watch Ryan Ellis makes like a triumphant comeback come playoffs. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I hope so. Yeah. Right. And, and so <laughs> that Masters and Trophy, weirdly, has like a hot competition this year because Matt's patch already like oh, in his, oh, his yeah. post-game speech and he didn't play for a season and a half. Two, two Achilles Something. injuries. Two. Like insane. So maybe they can have like a co-trophy this year because there's like a lot. Yeah. Of why not? Guys. Why not? These, yeah. They're great stories. It's, it's always amazing. such a weird trophy. <laughs> no, this guy had a tougher <laughs> yeah. plight than the, the other. Like, so I feel kind of awkward being like, Patches over Couturier, <laughs> yeah. well, and then you're like pitting good stories struggle. against each other. Yeah, yeah. How do we how do we score this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a boxing tie. You're like, eh, I don't know. And, and then, then there's, there's a chart from J Fresh about who's got the better comeback <laughs> struggle. <laughs> and then there's the years where it's like so and so is old and still playing. He's doing it as That's an old man. Nuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Marlowe's eighty-two. And you are so old. We're giving you an award for it. Well, he's thirty-eight. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Gio will be the Leafs nominee this year. Just he's for that, old forty. He's a man. He's forty. He's not a kid. Yeah. So uh, come after me. Um, anyway, I, I we are about to bring Jason York on. So uh, we got to talk a little bit about the Ottawa Senators. Uh, and just to uh, just to mention too, Shane Pinto will be able to resume skating with the Sens uh, without contact this week. Uh, the club oh, does still have to clear cap space once he signs his deal. He is not eligible until January twenty first. So that is a. A little bit of uh, Pierre Dorian magic still. Lingering. Wild, that's still an issue. Yeah, I think Dominic Kubalik, pack your bags. You are a Chicago Blackhawk. Bringing on, for the first time ever, a five-year Ottawa Senator, among other places, the Ducks, the Bruins, the Predators, Jason York. Woo! No, no, Adam. Sorry, Adam, sorry. Go ahead, please. That's not what he's most famous for. What is he most famous for, Steve? My former co-worker at ice surfing. Yeah. (laughs) Now we're talking. Let's go. Now we're talking. The best Uh, show on the internet. Gosh darn it. We had Peter Mansbridge on that one time. It was great. (laughs) Gosh darn it. People like us dangles. They sure do. (laughs) Oh, God. Am I the only guy that calls you dangles, by the way? Uh, You call. Yeah, pretty much. But I love it. I really like do it? love it. I miss you. I miss you so much, Yorkie. I really Thanks, do. I appreciate it. Appreciate the love. Miss you too, buddy. Yeah. Do you have any good memories from ice surfing, Jason, with Steve? Any story you can share? Oh, God. I just remember when you got your new clothes, they gave you really tight-fitting clothes. <laughs> and it was kind of... I made them tight-fitting, Yorkie. <laughs> yeah. Very, like, tight-looking. You, get, you had... Dangles had his own special look because he sat over on the dangle desk uh-huh. 
And and when <laughs> Merrick and I did our thing, we'd go over to Dangles and he'd have to do something outrageous. But I always remember his clothes were way too tight. <laughs> A whole a whole season working together, and that's that's what I generated. I love that. Yeah. I love that because that's yeah. when they they put like TV clothes on you. Yeah. Oh yeah, it wasn't yes. just hey, you show up in the hoodie and everything's relaxed. No, you were on Sportsnet. Here's some TV clothes, and they were a little. Yeah, little you know what I remember most about Dangles? Oh, no. He got fat. <laughs> <laughs> but that dangle, he had this thing called the Dangle Desk, and it was yeah. it was pretty good. No, it was good, man. That show never should have got canceled. It was. Uh, it was something for everybody. I thought so. I thought it was excellent and great and should have been on YouTube. What's great is that, yeah, it shouldn't have been on Twitter. No. Um, but what's great about it is that it is now on ESPN. With, I, I know. With uh, <laughs> Weeks and Buchagross and all those guys. I hope I pronounced his name right. Yeah, they, they uh, stole our bit, Yorkie. They yeah. stole our bit. Uh, uh, you know what? The, fu- the future is podcasting anyways, fellas. We all know it. Well, absolutely. Well, that's hear that. And we're so glad we're, you're here to, to talk about it. So, so, Jason, the reason that... You know, I kind of said to Steve, I'm like, we got to have Jason on because um, I, I was watching your your tweets this past weekend about the Senators. Obviously, you played there for a long, long time. Some really, really good teams that you uh, played for. Um, and uh, the Senators are a a really odd story because nobody, nobody had them last place in the division behind the Montreal Canadiens this deep into the season. There's no way. And and in yeah. fact, I think most of us had them as an outside shot to make the playoffs. Um, and they have the skill. They have the skill. They they're yeah. spending to the cap like they can't even bring Shane Pinto back until they clear cap once he's available January 21st. I wanted to get your thoughts on what the hell's going on. <laughs> well, a couple things. So Number one, when this team, when Michael Andlauer bought it, that whole process took so long. So when he finally got control of the team, it was it was really too late for him to do any changes. Because I really believe if he would have got it and the process maybe happened in, in the spring, he would have made some changes earlier. Um, because he eventually, we all know the story, he fired Pierre Dorian, and then DJ Smith got, got fired. But... It was just the timing of the whole process and then throwing the uh, the whole Pinto saga. Um, it was just so much to deal with. But when you look at this team, and I, hey, listen, I'm guilty too, boys. I, I had them as a playoff team. Um, I just think there was a huge overestimation where this team was because this is when I, when I look at teams and I evaluate teams, there's a couple of things the Ottawa Senators are really missing. If you look at good teams around the NHL, they have experience down the middle for the most part. So when you look at Ottawa's center ice position, you got Tim Stutzla, who's born in the year 2002. Oh, wow. You got Josh, you got, you got Josh. Yeah, how about that one? We talked about, we talked about us feeling old. Uh, then you got Josh Norris, who through injuries has only played, he hasn't even played 200 games in the league yet. Then Pinto, who was arguably their best two-way center uh, out with, with the gambling. Uh, so you take him out. Then you got throw Ridley Gregg. So down the middle, guys, they're one of the youngest teams in the NHL. Then throw in the fact, I, I, I think, and you know, I'm biased, I'm a right shot D. Every team is looking for right shot D studs. Ottawa doesn't have one. They've got all these guys on the left side. They got Jacob Chikrin. They've got uh, Sanderson, who's going to be a real good player, also a really young player. And they got Thomas Shabbat. They're just, they're missing that really good right shot D 
who can play defensively, and they're just way too young down the middle. They've the way Dorian constructed this team, he spent all the money and allocated all the dollars to the wing. And the wing is probably the least of your important positions on an NHL hockey team. And that's just, I just think the Ottawa Senators are flawed the way they're built. And it's going to take time. And I think everybody just overestimated where they're going to be at. And they had injuries and goaltending, all those other things too. But it's just for me, it's youth down the middle and right shot D presence. So their goaltending has been getting shredded all season. Oh, what one of the first things Jacques Martin did when he joined the Sens was he sort of threw goaltending a bone. And he said, you know, the team's not playing well enough in front of them. They're good goaltenders. You know, you played D for a long time. Uh, yeah. Is there something to what he's saying? Is this team, you know, you, you want your goalies to give you a chance to win, but is the team not giving the goalies that opportunity? I would say when the senators give up chances, they give up $10. And it's like I I don't know if you guys saw the game last night against Calgary. They mm-hmm. they were they were they had a chance to win that game and all of a sudden when they make mistakes in their own zone, they make big ones. And yeah, I, I would say both goaltenders haven't played well this year for sure. They got to own it too. Um you look at some other teams where their goaltenders bailed them out. Their goalies just don't bail them out, but they don't help them out either. Here's the other thing, guys, too, with Ottawa. Look what happens to goaltenders when they leave Ottawa. They get better. Well, they be they become all stars. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like they like they didn't have Joey Decord, but they lost him in the expansion draft. Well, he's in Seattle right now. And hey, guess what? He's their best goaltender. And and guys, it's it's just it's been a really tough place for goaltenders to play. And it's ironic on our podcast yesterday, we had on the Damian Rhodes and Ron Tugnut. Oh, yeah. Two old school Ottawa goaltenders. And I asked them, I said, guys, is there something to playing in a Canadian market? Because Toronto is a great example, right? There's so much pressure yeah. when you play in a Canadian market as a goaltender because all eyes are on you, right? I, I, I personally think there is. I just think some guys just can't handle playing in a Canadian market that the pressure just eats them up. That's 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 what I think about it. So the Sens have changed the owner. It passed away. They got a new owner. They changed the GM. They've changed the head coach. They changed everything around the team except the players. At what yeah. point is it time to move some pieces of the young core and get new bodies in there? Right now? Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> We've reached that point. I think he's right. <laughs> yep. yeah, well, listen. I, I, I did. I, you know, guys, I say this all the time. DJ Smith took a ton of heat when he was coaching. And sure, he's got to own some of it. But at the end of the day, it always comes back to the players. The, like, it's those are the guys on the ice. And, and I said earlier, yeah, they're, they're young down the middle. Um, and that's going to take a, a little longer than people had anticipated. But I just think they're at a point now where I actually do think they need to move somebody. They need to, they need a shakeup. They need to grab guys' attention, and you're kind of out of cards to play right now. Like, there's not really many cards left in the deck that you can play to shoot a little shot of adrenaline into these guys, right? Well, and and that kind of brings up the the culture shift because there's a I, I think Sens fans, I, from what I'm seeing, are are kind of talking about there there's a, a a culture issue in there. 
whether that's, you know, I, I mean, we saw Daniel Alfredson yelling at one of the players mm-hmm. who was just basically out there for for a good pregame skate in the middle of the game. game yeah. yeah, and I and, saw that. I saw that. Yeah. yeah, and so like you've got. I mean, it's great to have Alfie on the bench. Jacques Martin, by all accounts, and maybe you could talk about this. If you're not playing well, is not exactly the most fun guy to play for, and <laughs> and that's probably a good thing. The players loved DJ Smith. Is that part of the yeah. problem? Well, I kind of put this analogy right now. The team's playing like a bunch of guys that have lost their dog. Like okay. they just, you can tell body language um, looks like they're not having any fun. Jacques and DJ are two polar different uh, opposite personalities. Jacques, who I had for five years, is more reserved. He's quiet. He's methodical. DJ is a great motivator. He's a great person, a great guy. And I just think those players really liked him. But at the end of the day, it's 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 a business. And if you're relying on a coach to motivate you, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. There's something definitely wrong. So um, it's not coaching. Like for me, it's not coaching. Like, and, and I do the one point you did say earlier w- with the culture. And that's why I think it might be time. And I don't think it might. I think it is time to probably do a move that's going to send a going to send a message to the group that yeah. this just isn't acceptable. Um, and I'm going to and and you're going to see I, I think you're going to see one of the key 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 pieces of the the young core, as they call it, get moved. Uh, one of the things I've been obsessed with lately is you're watching these Sens games and, you know, they're not getting blown out on a lot of nights. Mm-mm. Like, they're in it. And one guy you see just begging, pleading with his with his voice and with his body every night to wake these guys up is Brady Kachuk. Yeah. And yeah. it just doesn't feel like they're building a team around him. Matthew Kachuk, who is very similar, matches the Florida Panthers perfectly. Yeah. It just doesn't feel right. like Brady Kachuk. And, but and didn't match. Him. He didn't match the flapes, right? They were quote unquote tired of his antics. Well, they didn't, you know, we don't want to have to fight because of you. And, no. and I just feel the same thing happening in Ottawa. Is there anything to that in your opinion? You're exactly right. How many times are we going to say that, Dangles? I'd rather you it's say rare. that than wow. clothes don't fit. Well, think think about your point. Think about your point there. Yeah. What are the Florida Panthers? The Florida Panthers are Matthew Kachuk. Like, how hard is Sam Bennett to play against? Remember the playoffs last year, oh, guys? Brutal. Oh, an, I can't forget. He, he was an animal. Like, and then you look at, I know Cousins, everybody hates him, but he's hard to play against. Oh, yeah. Barkoff's yeah. one of the, Barkoff's arguably be the best two-way centerman. You hear this term all the time, right? 200-foot player. The Florida Panthers are filled with 200-foot players, and they're also filled with guys that you said, like a a Brady Kachuk, like a Matthew Kachuk, that make it hard on the other team's D. So one of the things NHL teams do all the time in pregame meetings, it's actually comical. It's the same thing because everybody thinks teams strategize. This is what teams say before every game. We got to make it hard on the other team's D. That's the game plan today. We got to make it hard on the other team's D. Well, how many guys on the Ottawa Senators roster, besides Brady Kachuk, make it hard on the other team's D? Pretty hard to find some, right? Yeah. Like it's. Yeah, it kind like of reminds me of the, like the Leafs in the playoffs certain right? years. It's like oh, yeah. you just kind of roll them, right? Like they're not physical. Like probably like their next physical guy is Ridley Gregg. Mm-hmm. Like that plays in the top nine. They have a kid, Parker Kelly, that's playing really well right now, but he's a, he's on the fourth line. But when you play a team of guys that just don't 
play the same style. Like that's the thing. Ottawa doesn't have an identity right now. The identity used to be Brady Kachuk, hard to play against. We're gonna we're gonna make it tough for you guys. And now when you play the Ottawa Senators, it's just what is it? And that's and that's an that's an issue right now. That why I think they probably need to make a move. They need to find an identity and they need to find it fast. Um, I wondered. Jason, you know, when you when you look at um, what the senator's identity has been in the past, what should the identity be like? Should they be the Brady Kachucks, uh, you know, like kind of like the Florida Panthers or the Matthew Kachucks? Um, are they a little bit more of the finesse team that we, you know, the finesse teams that we saw with Yashin and Alfredson and you, you, you were on those teams and. Yeah. We're right up there with them. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, it's 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 like they and then later on, Spets, a Heatley, um, those teams were really sort of finesse driven with some toughness. Chris Neal and that. Mm-hmm. What should mm-hmm. the Ottawa Senators be shooting for when they make this move, whatever this move is? I think to be a, a faster team, because I think right now they're too slow. Okay. A faster team that's hard to play against. And that's able to play a 200 foot game, and, and those things right now they're they're missing all three of those elements, and that's really why when you look at good teams around the league, they play fast, they're hard to play against, and they don't cheat. That's basically what a 200 foot player is. A 200 foot player doesn't cheat the game, and you look at Ottawa. A lot of guys were getting points before because they're cheating. Mm. Like when you when you're cheating offensively all the time, and you guys have seen it in Toronto when some of the things aren't going well, guys cheat. And you can get away with it in the NHL during the regular season sometimes, but once playoff comes and auto has to get there, the teams that cheat will, will never have success. So that's what they need to get to. Just a team that doesn't cheat. Listen, it's, it's hard to find Brady Kachucks. Like it's, you're never going to get a team of Brady Kachucks. Yeah. 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 Matthew <laughs> Kachucks or, or a team of Austin Matthews or everybody can score whatever he's going to get 60, 70 goals this year. It's just, but you can you can be a responsible two hundred foot player. You you just have to buy in and sacrifice a little offense, right? That's what it takes. So you got to shake this team up. You got to send a message. Who's the player? Like in your opinion, what? You know, it it doesn't necessarily makes them better right away, but it grabs the team yeah. by the collar and says we are not screwing around. Yeah. Well, I guess you got to start. I always start this way, Steve. Who am I not trading? I'm not trading Jake Sanderson. I know Tim Stutz is taking a lot of heat right now, but I'm not going to trade Tim Stutz. He's he's a 2002 young player. Those guys don't grow on trees, and I'm not trading Brady Kachuk. Okay. After that, I think you take your pick. Mm-hmm. I probably I would have to be blown away to, to trade Claude Giroux because I think he's such an important player. He's not part of the young core, but man, he's of all the players, guys. He's he's been the best Ottawa center this year. He's been he's been really good. Um, but so then you look at the next guys. You look at Maybe it's a Josh Norris. Maybe it's a Thomas Shabbat. Um, maybe it's one of those guys. I just I, I think it's going to depend on a on what the other team is going to give you. But if you're just going to trade a guy on your fourth line or your third line, it's not going to it's not going to do anything. It's going to have to be one of those guys that's an important piece right now. Because the the names we've brought up have sort of been just picking around the edges, Tarasenko and Kubali. Yeah, but yeah. well, he's right, getting traded is- no matter. Yeah. Tarasenko is getting traded no matter what. Okay. Who believes going? Like if they can find some way to get to take him, um, Brandstrom will probably be traded at the deadline as well. But you're not; those are expected moves. It's it's the one where you're like, like I can remember guys. I'll take you back to when I was in Anaheim. We were terrible. Like we were so bad, and then we traded for Timo Solani. <laughs> And, and like we and listen, we traded everybody. And here's the other thing: everybody says you can't trade young guys. You can't trade 
uh, franchise to, uh, potential guys. We traded Chad Kilger and Oleg Tevardoski, two guys that were top five picks overall for Tamu. But when Tamu came, our team just took off. We didn't make the playoffs. We we went right up to the last game of the regular season. We had to end up tying for the last spot. Didn't get in, but it just kind of changed our whole moxie and our whole our aura of how we thought about ourselves as a team. And it took us from here up to there. But sometimes you got to do brash things, hey eh, guys. And when you do, and you have the the balls to do it, um, it sends a, it sends a message to the team. Oh yeah. Do you know Steve Stavos? <laughs> I do actually, yeah. I played yes. a lot against Steve. We were the same era. Like we're not yeah. buddies or anything, but we're we know each other. Um, good person, smart guy. Is he brash? Uh, well, Is we'll brash soon see, won't we? Okay, yeah. we'll right. soon see. <laughs> All right, that's fair. Now, listen, you had some really great years with those Senators teams, um, and I I wanted to ask you because. I think it's been so long, right, since that 2017 run that was so special, right? It really was a, a you know, the the Eric Carlson, uh, Mike Hoffman, yeah. you know, Super oh. Bowl pass. Um, what's it like to win in Ottawa? And the follow-up to that is, uh, what's it like, uh, or what was your favorite moment in your career in Ottawa? Like, what's the moment that stands out to you? Because there needs to be, yeah. as much as yeah. we're Leaf fans, like, I don't get any pleasure out of the Ottawa Senators being bad. I want them to be good so the Leafs can beat them when they're good. Uh, yeah. Even though the Ottawa Senators still beat the Leafs right now. Uh, <laughs> they always play their best game against the Leafs. Yeah. I, what was your, you know, what was your time like there when they were winning? And what's your favorite particular moment? Okay. Well, it's easy. I'll, I'll tell you guys, I'll tell you guys a couple things. First thing I'll tell you is I almost became a Toronto Maple Leaf. What? What? I almost, I thought I was going to become a Toronto Maple Leaf. I was a free agent after my fifth year in Ottawa and my agent at the time was Pat Morris and Pat called me and he says, Toronto's coming to the table with a four-year deal. Uh, he goes, uh, I forgot what the dollar. I'm like, perfect. I love it. I go, my mom's not going to be happy because she hated the Leafs, but I, I'd love to do it. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I don't know if you guys remember, uh, later in that day, they signed Alexander McGillney. Then Pat calls me back. He's like, yeah, they're out of money. You're not going to Toronto anymore. <laughs> that was, that's my almost, that was my own. I ended up, wow. I ended up signing an Anna. I ended up going to Anaheim mm -hmm. instead because Toronto, that's what happens in, on, on UFA day. It's, Yep. There's all the dominoes fall, and unfortunately, they went that way. But uh, easy for me, favorite moment as an Ottawa senator. I'm from Ottawa, guys, and I was on that team that made the playoffs for the first time ever. It was unreal. Wow. We had played the Buffalo Sabres. It was back then, it was an 80 game schedule. It took 80 games, and we had to beat Dominic Hasek in oh. game 80 to get oh, in. Wow. We beat, we beat them one nothing. Hasek was unbelievable guys i told this story yesterday on our pod we found out after that hasek was out the night before too one of our players <laughs> a czech guy frank musel took him out they went drinking and frankie came into the pregame skate he goes don't worry boys i took hasek out last night he ain't playing tonight we go out for warm-up fucking hasek's dressed I'm like what the hell frankie <laughs> Only like one goal almost steals it. <laughs> he was hung over and friggin' we it took us till Steve Duchesne scored a goal late in the game. Wow. But I'll never forget it. The the noise in that building, guys, in Ottawa, uh, it was it was electric, it was unbelievable. That's by far my my favorite moment. Unfortunately, playoffs never went that well for me. I did make the playoffs all five of my years in Ottawa, but uh, I think the Leafs took us down a couple times. 
And uh, yeah, those weren't fun days, but uh, (laughs) easily for me, guys, that was my most exciting time. That, that, that first time was just very special. Yeah, it kind of reminds us of like when the Leafs missed the playoffs for almost 10 years in a row and Connor Brown <laughs> scored that goal. Like, oh, it, yeah. you know, and it was like, oh, we're going. This is great. And yeah, so yeah. Jason, listen, we really appreciate you making time. And I hope this isn't the last time. We'd love to have you back. What For anybody that wants to know, what podcast can they find you on? They can find me. Uh, it's on all platforms. It's called Coming in Hot. It's myself. Bobby Ryan, uh, Brent Wallace, the three of us. I'm sorry, it's you mean local s- podcaster Brent Wallace? <laughs> local podcaster, yeah, he changed his uh, Twitter handle. Local <laughs> podcaster. Hey, we it's the same guy. It's like we have a lot of fun. We talk sends um, most of the time, uh, but it's it's uh, we're usually on Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, all platforms. And I got to say, I, I've podcasting guys. Like I said earlier, I, I think it's the future. I, I've I really loved it. I've enjoyed it. Um, it's just a much more looser, relaxed and, and, and freer way to, to get your point across. I, I, it's, it's been fantastic. Beautiful. Well, Jason, thanks so much for joining us. And, uh, maybe around trade deadline, we'll have you back. Talk a little bit about senators, uh, trade, trade deadline moves and that Tarasenko trade that's coming down. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to get for him. Anyway, thanks, Yorgi. Anytime, fellas. conference all right first uh fun matt murray trivia oh before we get to adam wilde has a requested thing and then we got to talk about the reality show farmer wants a wife <laughs> what um, which matt murray exactly so mike <laughs> mike nitrous writes on our discord concluded concluding the stars wild game tonight matt murray of dallas accomplished his first career shutout in only his fourth nhl game Hey. which ties the amount of shutouts Matt Murray accumulated for the 22-23 season. Got a jab a bit. He wasn't that good. How many games did it take Matt Murray, Toronto, to receive his first NHL shutout and what year? Oh. Okay, so playoff shutout would not count. Like, is this Matt Murray, was he with the Peng- Penguins or was he with the Leafs? Like, are we talking about the start of his career? We're talking about his first career shutout. First career shutout. Yes. Okay. I will. No, regular season and playoffs. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Regular season and playoffs. No guarantees he got a shutout on those playoff runs either. No. And Jesse's being all cheeky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to say it was his first playoff game with Pittsburgh. Adam, what's your guess? My guess is it's going to be game because it was Mark andre Fleury until midway through the first round, wasn't it? Mm, I yeah. can't remember. Fleury started as... He was starter. a starter. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess it was like seven games in and we're talking round two or round three. I, didn't even, I don't even remember who they played on the way, to it, be honest. His 69th game. Adam was v- getting very close. Oh, it was a couple games into the playoffs. 13 to be exact against the New York Rangers. Wow. So that would have been the conference final. Yeah, that would have been the uh, conference finals there. First career shutout comes in the conference finals against the Rangers. That's That's You can see where the hype came from, eh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, April 21st, 2016. The only goalie I can think of in NHL history that came in the same way Matt Murray did is uh, Tony Esposito. Because Tony Esposito was like a uh, Montreal Canadian for three seconds, and then he went to Chicago. But he wasn't he like... Or, or Patrick Waugh did too, right? Where you like come in and you're spectacular in the playoffs. Yes. Um, Cam Ward. 
Cam Ward, Cam Ward, who had rode one good playoff for like 10 years. Dude, Martin Gerber was the f- uh, goalie for, I think, the first two games of uh, Carolina's series with Montreal. Montreal was up 2 nothing. Carolina comes back, wins the series and the cup with mm-hmm. Cam Ward. In that. Wow. And, yeah. My favorite goalie of all time, Jordan Bennington. True. Played 32 regular season games, saved the St. Louis Blue season, and then rides that to the Stanley Cup. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, Tony Esposito, not quite. He played eight. Well, eight games for the Chicago Blackhawks in the playoffs. There's a lot of games in the playoffs back then in 1969. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like that, that could, that could, but you're definitely in the Stanley Cup final, aren't you? Boy, we're really in the thick of it now. <laughs> you know what? It took the Leafs a long time to get to game eight. Uh, what do you guys think of this? Uh, Rick Westhead tweeted this. The NHL Players Association and NHL players Kyle Palmieri and Scott Wilson were among plaintiffs who sued the city of Pittsburgh. What? Okay. They started this this lawsuit in 2019. Can you guess why the NHLPA, Kyle Palmieri, Scott Wilson, and others sued the city of Pittsburgh? I'm going to say something stupid like parking tickets. Not parking tickets. Jesse. Uh, something regarding like facilities being kept up to date. No, it's over taxes. Oh, what Pittsburgh called a jock tax. What? That they, only Pittsburgh did this, but they would tax non-resident sports stars or sports players. The plaintiffs argued that in 2005, the city unfairly levied a 3% earned income tax on visiting pro athletes while taxing all other residents a 1% income tax. Because when you're a pro athlete, you get taxed on where you play. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing in Pennsylvania, specifically Pittsburgh, you're subject to their taxes, even if it's one game a year. So that's why athlete taxes are so complicated. Pirates, oh. Steelers, and Penguins players have also been charged the tax if they lived outside of the city limits. So if you were a Steeler, a Pirate, or a Penguin, and you lived within the Pittsburgh metropolitan area, you were not taxed this. But if you lived outside of it, like north of Allegheny County, and it was outside of whatever, then you are taxed at 3%. They want you to live there. After a court ruled the jock tax was unconstitutional, the city appealed, and an appeals court today ruled in in favor of the players. And this also includes players' unions for the NFL and the MLB. So all players since 2005 who have been taxed oh, this shit. are now entitled to a refund. 19 years. What a mess that's going to oh, be. Oh, no. Isn't that nuts? Oh, that's a nightmare. That's a nightmare. That's actually a really huge deal. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kyle Palmieri. Yeah. Weird. Scott Wilson played there. I don't. Palmieri was never a pen. Was no, it? no. He was a visiting player that they were taxing him. What? And he's like, yo, that's not cool. That's good on Rick. That's actually a massive deal. Dude, it's a crazy story. years of taxes owed to millionaires. Yes. Oh, yeah. With agents. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. There's agent fees that need to be agents. Paid. And dude, I, I what a mess. NHL, the MLB, the NFL. I have an expensive car. I have a big house. I got this payment, that payment, that payment. Oh, oh. Wow. That's uh, really bad. I was just checking, but most states in the U.S. currently have a jock tax. They do? Yeah. yeah. Okay. The only states without jocks, jock taxes are Florida, Texas, Washington State, and Washington, D.C. Now, that's a state. 
Yeah, cities doing it. Yeah, cities it's unconstitutional according to the courts. Yeah, but I remember when California California was like the first state to do it. I think it was uh, it was a big deal when they did it way back when. And then um, yeah, now most states have it. So that's why that's why athletes love Florida. It's it's yeah. just just fucking haven for taxes. I, it's I think from what I've heard, Florida's pretty good to rich people. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking. Generally speaking. Anyway, yeah, I, I just thought you guys, it's a weird aside for the press conference, but I thought, how weird is that? That oh, is yeah. a fascinating story. Yeah. I uh, am very interested to see how that plays out. Uh, good luck, Pittsburgh. <laughs> no kidding. I think you're fucked. Yep. <laughs> this is from Wham876543. Oh. Uh, they write, I think you guys talked about this show a while back. Well, season two is airing on Fox in the US, so it's on over the air tv it's only four guys just for laughs a dive into their bios would be fun so what this discord user is talking about is a show called farmer wants a wife and they had they had season one and now they have season two of farmer wants a wife farmers don't have wives yeah so the wives the four contestants on farmer wants a wife are ty yeah, get on your glasses, Steve. You got to oh, yeah. take a look Damn, at Ty. Ty looks like Garth Brooks. Yeah, They all look like Garth Brooks. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's Farmer Wants a Wife, yeah, Adam. Yeah, yeah, right, you're right. <laughs> that dude has a smile you can see from space. Yeah. He, he looks like a jacked version of Buster Scruggs. Ty Farrell uh, is 42. Mm-hmm. His hometown is Sykestiston, uh, Missouri. I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm sorry. Or is that Montana? Know. Is M.O. Oh. Montana? No, MO is Missouri. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm right. Right? Okay. Missouri? Yeah. yeah. Knowing thumbs up. <laughs> knowing the states, it's Sikiston. I think it's Sykeston. But Sykeston? I'm gonna say Sykeston. His occupation. Team Roper. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Type of farm. 50 acre farm with horses and roping cattle. Meet Ty. Ty is a 42-year-old divorced dad of a 12-year-old daughter. He's had a rope in his hand since he was a kid, and he hasn't been without it since. He can't think of a better life for himself. But the one missing piece has been a special person to continue his life's journey with. Okay. Wow. I I wonder how many of these guys, hometown, Sykeston, Missouri, current location, (laughs) same spot. So next up, our <laughs> second contestant is Mitchell. Mitchell Kolinsky, 27. What do you guys think of his look? 27. Good luck. That is a that's a pup. Yeah, he's young. Yeah, he's a young, young boy. Young yeah. cattle. Young buck. Fresh, that's, fresh cattle. Yeah, yeah we like, had the old bull. Cattle. Now we have the young calf. The old bull. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's learn a little about Mitchell. No belt buckle. What a bum. Hometown, Knoxville, Tennessee. Current location, Mount Juliet, Tennessee. Okay. First generation farmer, type of farm, which is very important. New farm Weed. with a charm. <laughs> <laughs> I hope a That'd new be great. farm with a charming 19th century cabin where he lives with his three dogs. His property in the woods is shared with a variety of wildlife, and the openness of the surrounding land welcomes the potential for growth. Meet Mitchell for an airport. Mitchell cue up- the Yellowstone theme. Sorry. Mitchell grew up in Knoxville with horses in his backyard, spending much of his time outdoors. While both of his parents and his two brothers have more traditional white collar careers, Mitchell fell in love with the beauty and promise of the great outdoors. He knew a life in the heartland was the one for him, so he bought his first farm to pursue his dream of becoming a horse and cattle rancher. He hopes to build a farming legacy with his wife by his side. I am absolutely fascinated by how 
The fans of the show react to this yes, guy. This is, this, this is the thing I'm so intrigued about with Mitchell. He's not a generational farmer. No. He's new farmer money. You know, like he doesn't come from old farmer money. He's a guy who just bought a fucking farm is like, I'm a farmer now. So does farming America react to him positively? Or are they like, no, he's a is fake he an farmer. Interloper? Whoa, yeah. whoa, Knoxville, where he's from, has nearly 200,000 people. <laughs> City slicker. City slicker thinks he, he can just adopt this life. Yeah, saw season one of Yellowstone and thinks he right. can do this now. Well, 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 <laughs> you get paramount. Plus, and all of a sudden you think you're a fucking cowboy. He's also 27. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, I'm just a young. I worked in tech and I bought a farm, and now I'm a farmer. I don't know if he actually worked in tech, yeah. but still. Although you know, to yeah. be able to buy a farm, yeah. they're not cheap. Where did he get this money to yeah. buy a farm? Not like they're giving away homesteads anymore. You're acting like it's uh, when Mr. Burns and Smithers decided to run the power plant themselves. <laughs> Like, like, I, I'm fascinated by how the target audience of that show reacts to that young man. Two more. We'll speed through these guys. Brandon, 29. Brandon Rogers. What do you guys think of his look? Uh, that is a country singer ass name. And what that? What's with the tweed vest thing going on here? You don't like tweed vest? <laughs> I don't know. It's like it seems. What is, hold it on, seems. Hold on. What it is, seems. What sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's giving like 1920s farmer core. He's got like the classic pickup truck too. Yeah, like the yeah. red. The one thing he did right is he didn't do up the bottom button. You never do up the bottom button, no matter what. So. Yes. Um. But yeah, it's like. <laughs> well, that was a little bit too close to to that area there, Jesse. It's kind of no. Sticking. Not bad. <laughs> no. Not bad. <laughs> and I think it's just the pattern of the pants. <laughs> oh, you're talking about his button. Also, that dude is wearing like. Can, can you scroll up to uh, his... Uh, Stop it. doing that. <laughs> that is an expensive-ass hat. Oh, yeah. yeah. They all are. They're all wearing expensive clothes. Like cow cowboy clothes that are designer cowboy clothes, as we saw in Nashville, are what, not what cheap. Kind? Designer. I know, designer. I know somebody who bought a... I know this someone <laughs> as well. $8,000 cowboy hat. Do I know this person? Uh, no. Yes. Kind of. Kind of. A little. Eight? I'll yeah. tell you after. Thousand yeah. dollars? Yeah. Yeah. Now, when they bought it, they didn't know. <laughs> but they went through with the purchase. Yeah. Even. Like, put the credit card away <laughs> then, man. Just say no. <laughs> this person clearly has some money. Wow. It All right. the nicest cowboy hat I've ever seen. Yep. However. So, <laughs> I assume when we're looking at Brandon, his cowboy hat is rather expensive. And look at that. Look at that old ass truck. Yeah. Look at classic. that. Oh, those are classics. Those that. are great. Yeah, right there. Classic. So what do we got? Stop! Stop, <laughs> Jesse. He's from the same place. Love it. He's from Center, Colorado. Yeah. Second generation potato and barley farmer. Nice. 1,000 acre farm. Wow. Shit. Brandon is our most remote farmer. Living. That means he's the best. Living in a small one stoplight town surrounded by his farmland. Wow. He grew up on the farm working with his dad. Later in his 20s, he returned returned to work the farm full-time to continue his fam family's farming legacy. His business is to set up and his business is set up and doing well. And now the missing piece is that one special person to share it with. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. A one stoplight town. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You have electricity? <laughs> City slicker. <laughs> City slicker. I actually um um my my on one of the branches of my family 
um, they were granted like in the 1860s, something like two hectares of land. And that's an enormous amount. Of Sounds land. like a lot. And they have a town in Ontario named after them. It's a one stop light town. They have a church. Kitchener. Brampton. No, no, no. Like you'd never heard of it. I, I'm not even going to say it. But it, it's like. The Bramptons. It's, it's kind of, The Bramptons. Uh, Adam yeah. Brampton. Oshawa. <laughs> Adam Oshawa. Mr. and Mrs. Toronto. Uh, ah. Yeah. Uh, Adam's relatives. <laughs> of course, back then you 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 pronounced the second T. Yes, uh, yes. Toronto. Uh, this is insane. Yeah, <laughs> and that, so those exist. They exist in Toronto or in, in Ontario as well. Obviously, like most of Ontario is there's nobody. Yeah. Uh, and and you know the the thing is since then obviously the land's been parcelled out and sold over the generations or whatever. But right. that they still have one corner of their town's one stoplight wow. intersection. And and it's like it's crazy. And actually, a couple of my cousins got married in their chapel that was built a hundred and something years ago, and they refurbished it just to get married in it. It's crazy, crazy stuff. Wow. Yeah. So that yeah, wild. So to this day, it's still a one stop like it sure is. There's wow. there's three houses. So wait, was that in the town? Three houses in the town, one chapel that nobody used until they did, got married. There. I guess all the neighbors got along. Yeah, I don't think you have a choice. <laughs> You're relying on. No matter a storm comes through, like where are you going? Oh yeah, and, like, and that's the thing is that like you can get stuck out there. That's like, what I always think about with these remote places. Is like okay, something happens, you're just inside and you got to prepare for that. Yeah, because you can't drive the. 20 kilometers to the grocery store. You can uh, if you've got like a big tractor. All right. Um, if you have a, those tractors are like amazing. It's actually crazy. So like even the old the old ones, uh, which members of my family have had. Uh, like those big old red ones that you see, like those things can, those, they're so big and they're so heavy and you reek of gasoline after you use them. Mm. But like you see them on the street all the time. Yeah, you can get into town. Most people have generators now. Mm. Wait, right? Jesse, what'd you say? Drive? <laughs> City slicker store. Who's the last one? Oh, Isn't there Isn't there yeah, we got Nathan. Nathan. We got in Nathan. Yeah. Yeah. We I meant to take my Tesla. No. Yeah, that's what oh. I do. By the way, yeah. being can you imagine being remote don't own and outside of Denver? Like you're in Colorado where it snows like like it snows a little bit here. That the snow in Colorado is crazy. He's the weed farmer. Yes. yes. All right. Sorry. Nathan. Nathan is 23. You thought the other guy was young. He's got a mature face. He does. What do we think about his face? First first things first. Uh it is handsome. Yeah. That is a Yeah, he's a handsome guy. That's a country singer. Perfect amount of scruff. Nice Henley top. He looks like an pattern this belt. Is, this is for a very niche audience, but he looks like an AI generated combination of Arthur Morgan and Micah Bell. Are those friendship bracelets? <laughs> they Maddie says, are those friendship bracelets? Jesse, zoom in. Please be sure to Whoa. not go towards Maddie's right. They Stop are. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> Jesse, you can see, you can see it's the a pattern of the pants. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only angle I can get. <laughs> No, no, I think Swifty. he's got daughters. I think he's got daughters. That's my guess. All right. And they made it for him and he wears them. Wow. Uh, I'm trying. To, I can't make out what the French is basically. I think he say. might bite his nails. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't too short. You think he bites his nail? <laughs> okay. bite you can't always tell. I'm a recovering you. nail biter. Uh, he's from the same spot. He's from Florida. Three of four. <laughs> so Nathan Bartow, Florida. Wow. Fourth generation citrus and cattle farmer. Ooh. Wow. Florida. That makes sense. Oh, uh, he has great 300 
acre farm where he resides and an additional 500 plus acre acre cattle property. Wow. So he has by far the biggest farm out of all these guys, right? Yeah. If I remember correctly. I, well, no, one guy had a thousand acres. I think. Oh, did he? The Colorado guy. Oh, shit. My but bad. still. Still, that's a lot. That's a lot. You Nathan, don't need a wife. You need a staff. <laughs> Nathan grew up working his family's farm in Citrus Groves and at 23 is our youngest farmer. He lost his dad at 12, so he quickly grew up and became the man of the house, helping to support his mom and three sisters. He returned to live and work on the farm full-time when he graduated from college and is eager to begin his next chapter, including starting a family with the love of his life. Now, okay, the the mom and three sisters, the friendship bracelets make sense, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, 23. Family? Well... I mean, literally, where do we think we got sow your wild oats from? Like that is that is a farmer. I don't know. That's that. a, that, that's a, where a farmer ass phrase. Let's explain. start with what does that mean? Yeah, it's that supposed to be like, like get out there and up. get out there and make out with some strangers. You know, like that's basically what it means. Yeah, is that what uh, that okay. Yeah, it's a farmer out. term. I, I believe it is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and but you know what? Good for him if he wants to start a family. Wants to start a family. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, I I feel like uh, I feel like Florida would be interesting. Because like a citrus farm, first off, you're always, you're gonna have the best orange juice you've ever had in your life, mm-hmm. like ever. Those lemons, oh yeah. Does, does he does he herd Florida cracker cows? Is that the breed? What? Wouldn't they? I, I think cracker <laughs> cows. What are cracker what is, cows? What is that? I don't, they're a type of cow in are Red they? Dead Redemption. <laughs> oh, I wonder because you know what? Florida cracker cows. Oh, maybe they do. I don't know. They should have got specific with the bio. <laughs> they should have. I need to know what kind of bovine I'm dealing with. You want to marry someone and you don't tell them the kind of cow? Like, oh, it's Longhorns? I'm this out. Just, he's not mature enough. He's not ready for it's, this. I think 23 on a dating show like this, where it's not like we're on too hot to handle, where they're all yeah. fucking and being, <laughs> being obnoxious. You know? Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. That's a little, this is like. Different character, we're maybe. We're starting a family dating <laughs> yeah. show. 23 is young to be doing that. Yeah. And you know what? I he's, questions. He's, he's used to, re- I'll tell you, 23, I didn't want any responsibilities, but. I didn't grow up and have to be the man of the house at 12 or yeah. whatever and have to run a farm and I guess that's the story you tell with uh, young Nathan. Nathan. You, it's, it's, Nathan, uh, Nathan Smothers, it's, baby. He, he had become the man. Or, yeah. And now at 23, he's more mature than a normal 23-year-old. I would and be- he's trying to start a family. I'm going to bet the farm Nathan has the deepest, hottest voice oh, yeah. of the four. He's a good-looking boy. Oh, yeah. Don't Deepest scroll down, voice. Jesse. Okay, there we go. Thank that. you. Nice. Yeah, all of these perfect okay. teeth. But I was about Some to say citrus teeth who right there. Is the dentist visiting all these small towns and giving them all immaculate smiles? I know it's crazy. Just yeah. the best. Okay, they probably eat so good. They probably eat so. All they eat is fucking fresh food. Yeah. Dude, the producer of the show, dude, you have one job. This guy is twenty three. What was it? Fourth generation. Yeah. His family is farming. It is the life. He needs some some girl who thinks. I love how passionate you she are wants this because I'm making television, Jesse. You want to make a hit or not? <laughs> I'm here to make money. All ABC. All right, make it a hit. So he needs to find some girl who watched Yellowstone or some shit, and she thinks it'd be cutesy and it'd be fun, and she has no idea what she's getting herself into. Scroll up. To the 27-year-old first-generation farmer, 
that this Mitchell. Guy, he needs they need to pair him up with some girl who is from a 19 generation farming family who realizes he doesn't have a clue what he's doing mm. and let the hilarity ensue. That the, would be the best television wow. making hits. The kids. way you're casting the the other part of this, the 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 ones they'll be hopefully marrying one day. Um that's such a great point that you need the girls who are from the city. You need a New York girl. You need an LA oh, girl. LA that. girl you, in Colorado, baby. Yeah. Let's go. You yeah. need obviously the half that's like, I also come from an 18 generation farming family, but you need the other side of the entertainment where it's like, she grew up in, in, in is allergic in, to yeah. horses. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. In the middle of California. Like needs to take, needs to take her Claritin 24 hour. One of them gets out of the truck for the first time to meet him. And they're wearing either white boots or pants. Yes. And immediately they're like, well, if you're a no. producer on that show, you're not doing your job. If you're not playing that yeah. angle up, you got to put no. them in heels. And what are everything. you talking about? Boots, the heels. Yeah. You need somebody to come out in heels. Heels for sure. Uh, yeah. I made a mistake. I mean, yeah, no, it's sneakers, it's, you know, you're, uh, th it's, this it's will okay. be a fun show. We're workshopping. This We're making a fun it's season two. So I guess season one went well. I guess so. <laughs> I guess. Have any of these guys been in Hallmark movies before? Probably all of them, <laughs> you know? for something like that like you got the city girl and then you know mm -hmm. the country guy and they save the cookie factory <laughs> it's great anyway, yeah, that's just in time for christmas by that's the way for today you know the richest person in a in a one-stop light town richest just guess who what what would the richest person in a small town do the farm uh, farm is a good answer <laughs> but but a lot here's the thing with farming is a lot of your money is tied up in your assets right they're retired already they're not retired. No, they sell the farming equipment, right? You know, again, that's uh, that's how a lot of farmers get rich. My uh, my cousin is a is a car salesman, and he had a guy come in and buy an an Acura NSX cash, and it was like two hundred and fifty grand because he just sold all his con. But that is not the right answer. The vet tech who can also fix a human stomach ulcer. The vet. Oh, yes. the vet is the richest person in those towns. Everything I am tens of millions if you're in the right place. Like Damn. crazy crazy money because so many animals there's so many animals <laughs> like like it's it's and they are on the road all the time driving 50 kilometers one way 50 it's not an easy job you gotta do the farm call oh yeah. yeah it's crazy one of the best things about the future uh where everyone has a camera and tiktok exists is there are things i am learning in my 30s that i now see every damn day you know what one of those things is? What's that? Did you know that cows get bloat all the time and the way to fix it is to poke a hole in the cow? Wow, I didn't even know what bloat is. They get crazy, crazy gas. To or the like point bloated. Where, yeah, to the point where they could die from it. And they wow. literally go up to the cow with like some sort of sharp thing, poke them in the stomach, and you can hear the gas leaving them Whoa. Like put like a little <laughs> attachment in like a to, balloon to make it come out faster you can even as it's coming out of them i've seen it light the gas coming out of the cow on fire Damn. to help it burn off faster wow dude it's crazy i didn't know about this until my 30s See it every day. I'm obsessed with um the 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 hooving videos, like where they they oh where I they hate those freaking on the horses yeah, no. yeah. yeah. or those or the cool. cows they pull out like nails and shit yeah, and yeah. they're like here I'm gonna fix this up or there's those like are cool. oh I hate those yeah. videos no why because yuck <laughs> I hate them because yuck and also I feel bad for the cow all right wrap us up Adam. all right we're wrapping it up I'm pretending that I'm hearing the outro music but I'm really not <laughs> no by the way don't forget Kingston Frontenacs. 
We're there in like a week and a half. It's happening real soon. Am I synced up? You're going to see Steve skating and and doing in arena stuff. I'm real good. The best, actually. I'll beat you in a race. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake.